0: What's everyone? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with yours truly, Sincere Hogan, and my man, my partner, my man, my friend. What's up, brother? Mike Mahler in the house. I'm doing good, man. You sound enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something about hump day that works like that, man. <laughs> halfway through the week. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, you know, it's good that we do the podcast on Wednesday because I always look forward to it. Wednesday, to me, is like my favorite day of the week because we always have great guests and it's always a good time talking with you and I know our listeners are loving it. So let's just get some of these plugs out of the way before we announce our guest, who is everyone's going to be excited to hear this guy. But real quick, just a couple of things. One, there's a charity that both of us are really passionate about called Transitions Global, and we had our friend James Pond on the podcast a couple episodes ago. I think it was episode Mm -hmm. 10. And what he does is he helps victims of human trafficking, so we won't get into that, but basically he runs a a fantastic organization that helps victims of human trafficking and helps rehabilitate them on multiple levels, so definitely check out transitionsglobal.org, great info on there, and if you haven't heard podcast episode 10, please go back and listen to that and share it with everyone you know. This is one of those issues that everyone can get behind. Some issues people are like, I don't really care about that, but we should all care about children being forced into slavery and being brutalized. That's something that we can all get behind stopping and helping people that have been victims of that. And then let's see, I've got a couple of workshops coming up. I've got one in New York city in September. I'm going to be in Holland in August, and then I'm going to be doing a course with Dan John, who's our guest today in October. So we'll talk more about that. And also remember folks, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of the supplements I carry, my testosterone booster, my recovery oil, and I have a new supplement coming out in about six weeks called Restore Sign, which is an inflammation management product. We'll talk more about that as it gets closer to being released. And how about you, buddy? What do you have going on?
0: Um, yeah, what I got coming up now is um, we have a certification coming up, kettlebell certification with IKFF, hosted right here at our gym here in Houston. Uh, for folks who are trying to find a nice, Warm place to come to in the fall. Houston is the place to do it. Want to learn more about kettlebells? This is the place to do it. So check out my website. Go to newwarriortraining.com. Click on workshops and certifications. You'll get all the information for that on there. And also for our listeners out there, you can continue to take advantage of the coupon code LLA and download my digital version of my DVD, my body retraining DVD, and you'll get 30% off of that. And coming up in the next few weeks, I'm working on a coaching program which also includes um, a weight management program that's really going to help a lot of folks. Just I know we talk a lot about, you know, pretty much we talk about hormone optimization on the show, talk about different ways of putting food together to just make your training and life a little bit more optimal as well. But um, basically, I, I know a lot of people are pretty much they're getting over all these diets and things like that. So instead of just hearing what to eat, it's really learning how to, see how food works with your body, how it really works, and put it in terms that you understand, not all the scientific stuff or all the things you might find in magazines. So uh, I've been working with a, a man who's been really working hard for the last few years on this program, and we get getting ready to roll this thing out. And I think this weight management program is really going to help a lot of folks who truly understand just pretty much what's happening when they consume the food that they're eating. And it, it's not based on a diet or anything like that. So, And that's what people need to know, just learn how to eat, and how it's going to work when you eat. So that program is getting ready to roll out in a few weeks, and we'll, we'll talk more about that when the time you know, comes. So that's what I have going on right there. And, um, hey, man, I'm really excited. Um, been following our guests for years here, man. I mean, probably yeah, me too. right when I – even before I became a part of this fitness industry as a professional, just as someone that just trained, and that was all I was doing, even way back in college. And I came across, like, a lot of his articles, his books, and – Man, it's, uh, like I like I'm very excited. So I'm trying to get out of fanboy mode here. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, you know I've, I've been following Dan since
1: he wrote. I came across an article from Dan in the Dinosaur Files Brooks Kubik's newsletter. Yeah. This 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 was a literal newsletter that you got in the mail, and it looked like something he typed in his basement and sent it <laughs> and sent out. That's no up, pictures. Man. Yeah, no pictures. None of that garbage, but just incredible info. And that's when I first came across Dan John's work, and I think the first article i read by him was on the benefits of the overhead squat and then i continued to see his articles on t nation all over the web his book never let go is one of my favorite books by far on strength training if you guys don't have it definitely get that on amazon and take a look at take a look at dan's responses to some of the critiques on the feedback area as well some of them are hilarious (laughs) dan pleasure to have you on the show thanks welcome
3: for man Well, thanks so much. I didn't know anyone read those. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: I have to say, you deal with heck. I'm, first of all, I'm surprised you have any hecklers because I feel that you're such an important member of the strength training community. You're really a voice of reason, and I always feel like you're one of the guys that everyone can kind of get behind. And because because your information just makes so much sense, and you're such you have such a balanced approach. But I have to say, you handle hecklers very well. <laughs> do, do you get quite a few hecklers, or
3: well, well, most of your emails pretty positive. No, it it's always anonymous. It's, right, exactly. Uh, it's never to my face. Right. Uh, right. It's always on these bizarre little, kind of crap holes of the internet universe. <laughs> it, it's very often you find out later on, you know, that the guy, uh, it was one guy was just, I mean, he was like a sixteen-year-old just being a jerk because he can. Right. You know? and, right. Right. You know, the fact that I wasn't talking about bulging biceps and Six pack abs you know i'm you know i'm fifty six years old, so I mean you know forty years ago, I mean I might have been a horse's ass too, but uh I didn't have the internet to prove it to everybody every each and every hour so yeah it's you know it's hard it's it's hard because you put a book out there, and you know the criticism one guy says it's not the book I wanted well 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 I'm well, oh, sorry, <laughs> we've also noticed too, and this is about, <laughs> You know, yeah. like if I if I work for a kettlebell organization and it splits, for example, just right, making right. it up right now, uh, I'll notice that I get a lot of negative hits from all usually anonymous sources or people who's stuck on one side. Right. Or if, but the, we all have the fanboy problem. I mean, it's you know uh, the hard thing is no matter what thing you decide to do, there comes a time where you either through injury or through just boredom. You know, you've got to move on. you got to move to something else. Right. And when you do that as an author, people are like, hey, man, you remember how you used to say you should leap off buildings and land on your face? Man, I, I love it. Well, I was joking. I would never, you know. So, yeah, I appreciate the comment, though.
1: It's funny that you bring up the whole kettlebell divide because recently Pavel Tsatsouline decided to branch off on his own and move forward with his own organization. And it's kind of funny because – you're, you're a good friend of his, and you work with him. That's well known. But it, if you go with him, then there's going to be people saying, oh, you're just following him blindly. And then if you didn't, then people are going to say, oh, you're a traitor. How come you're not supporting him?
3: So Absolutely. It, right.
1: you, you, know, you know, people get – I don't know why there's so many arguments. On All
2: stuff. these factions. It,
1: it, <laughs> it, it, it's amazing to me in the kettlebell world. I mean a sociologist could come in and do a really interesting case study on the whole kettlebell growth end. I've been in it since the very beginning, so I've seen all the different diversions, but it's just really amazing to me how attached people get to stuff, because people always want to come to me and say, oh, tell, tell us the inside dirt of what really went down with Dragondor. And I go, honestly, it, it was, there really wasn't any inside dirt. I decided that I wanted to move on and branch off on my own and make things happen my way. Yeah. And that, that was pretty much the full extent. I mean, there's a little bit more conflict than that, but it wasn't anything along the lines of, we all hate each other now and I hope that guy's organization crashes and burns. It's just the natural evolution of people. You're going to have disagreements about things. And for me, it was amiable. I said, look, it's time for me to go in this direction. And, and that was kind of the end of it. But people always want to believe that something more happened and people love drama, but I, I'm amazed that there's so much of that in the kettlebell world, because I have to wonder when did people find time to train? <laughs> because <laughs> You spend so much time on this stuff that I mean, there's so many more beneficial things you could do. It's just amazing to me that people get so attached with all these arguments that are just so useless at the end of the day.
3: Yeah. What I enjoy about the kettlebell, and I've said this now officially a million times, is I think it allows you to really get um, even more more fundamental human movement, if you will. Like the, the kettlebell swing is the exact same, I think, as a standing or vertical jump. Right, And mm-hmm. with a barbell, you can't get in that same position because your body's in the way. So I can actually do a basic human movement, in some in some cases, actually a little bit more clear with the kettlebell. And I say that to you in all honesty and candor, and someone's going to rip on me online in, uh, in, in one of these hidden holes, <laughs> that, you know, Dan John does an Olympic lift. Well, actually, yes, I do this morning. I did swings and Olympic snatches. So... You know, it's okay for me. I'm a big kid. I, I can choose. I, I... <laughs> well,
1: that, that brings up another good point yeah. is that it's funny. When I, when I first got into kettlebell training, I wanted to see how far I could go just doing kettlebell workouts. So I didn't do any – I mean I, I went into the gym every once in a while. But for the most part, I just focused on that. And then I decided, okay, it's time to get the barbell squat back in, barbell deadlift, some other motions. And then people started asking me do you not lift kettlebells anymore? I'm like, no, I still lift kettlebells. I just do other things too. And, and I, I like a multifaceted approach. And that's one thing I like about your work. So how have you implemented kettlebell training into everything else you like to do? Because for people who don't know you, you're, you're a very diverse coach. You have a lot of skill sets in different arenas. So how have you incorporated kettlebells into what you were doing before? Have you ever heard of kettlebells?
3: Well, sure. Um, Well, you know, it goes back to the basics. Uh, One minute on this, you know, where you're at right now is A, where you want to go is B. My job is to help you with that that hyphen between A to B. Uh, And so when I assess you, uh, the A part of the formula, you know, I mean, we might have to take you all the way down to no movement, like planks and things like that. Right. And as we look at your... Okay, so we look at your things you've skipped, (laughs) you know, you've, you've, you've chosen to have a long career and never do an authentic squat. Well, okay. Uh, Well, we need that. We need to address that, I think. Okay. So loading you up on, on a barbell squat might make your knees come together and your back fold over and it'll hurt your neck. You don't like it. So, well, let's regress to the goblet squat. And so what I use uh, kettlebells for, Now, I can train you hard with kettlebells too, but just for the point I'm trying to make right now, when we're discussing where you are and what your gaps are and where you're not up to standard, two things, gaps, what are the things you're not doing, standards, are you at a high enough standard on the things you are doing, uh, I throw in kettlebells in the appropriate places to, A, first and foremost, fill in the gap, and then, B, Build you up to the standard we we might both agree you need to be to be the athlete you want to be or to get the goals you want to be or whatever whatever's going on there, so I use kettlebells first to fill gaps in on certain movements. Uh, generally, uh, what I call the sixth movement that's rolling around on the floor, so that'd be Turkish get-ups, and the squat movement, which would be goblet squats. I also use kettlebells uh, in the loaded carries. Uh, waiter walks, suitcase walks, farmer walks, something I call a cross walk, um, but it, it gets you very quickly. The other good thing about kettlebells, and this is going to probably, if you're owner of kettlebells or manufacturer, probably hate it, but they are ideally suited to toss around into the back of a sled or to drag with a rope and things like that. Uh, bar, uh, barbells are not, and barbell plates are not always uh they're great to they're great to use as just heavy loads so right. i'm sure the manufacturers aren't really happy to hear that <laughs>
0: yeah it's funny you said we just did that yesterday um with one of my classes you know just loaded up the sled man just tossing as many you know that they could carry around and I, as far as the manufacturers they're probably happy if you mess them up hey you got to buy some more now as far as my clients in my class they weren't too happy they are like dude how many more of those things can you load on the sled i'm like well Let's find out. As long as you keep dragging them, I'm going to keep loading them. So, so yeah, they're it definitely diverse like that compared to just plates where you can going to yeah. do so much with plates and, and barbells, forget about it. <laughs> so,
1: Dan, who are some of your influences? And you, are, you have a very balanced approach to training now, and really ever since I've been reading your stuff, but was there a time for you where you made just a whole bunch of mistakes? Earlier in your training career, I'd love to hear about some of the mistakes you made and also who some of your influences were that helped you get
3: on the right track. Hey, Mike, if you can remember, let's separate this into two parts, okay? Let's separate this out two parts. Okay. Uh, The first article you ever read I wrote, uh, it's a lesson I learned literally when I was married seven days to Tiffany, which is interesting because now we're celebrating our 25th year. Um, Mm -hmm. We're at this track meet in honor of Ralph Mann and – we had, I would say, one of the finest collections of discus throwers ever walk on this planet. Uh, it was stunning, the discus, the alumni at Utah State discus throwing. We are world famous, and I'm very proud to be part of it. Um, well, Coach Mon, you know, uh, famously played football for the Detroit Lions, national champion in the javelin. Uh, he made the Olympic team as a hammer thrower. Uh, he got a master's degree in mathematics, and at the Battle of the Bulge, he got two purple hearts and a silver star so he was a remarkable guy and so i gotta tell you uh in my next book i'll be talking about how you learn things when ralph Mann said x y and z it was smart of you to pay attention he was right now it was okay to think he was wrong because he you know he wasn't new and shiny and groovy but when you sit back 25 35 years later you realize that he was always right and any disagreements you had, you were wrong. The other great influence in my life, of course, Dick Knotmeier, who uh, charged me 25 cents a week to train in his gym. And uh, he, we worked out two and a half to three hours a day, five days a week. He taught me the Olympic lifts. He taught me the front squat. Uh, he taught me about life. He was just a good and decent guy. I still, I still wake up at night dreaming about the Pacific Barbell Club. They still happen. It's some of the best times of my life. I certainly had dozens. In fact, if you read my work, you'll notice I talk about coaching influences right. all the time, in all mm-hmm. different directions and degrees. But I'm just going to pull those two out because it sets the long term. And you'll notice that, uh, well, you'll notice that a couple of things come out of both of them. And probably the best lesson I can tell anybody uh, is little and often over the long haul. Both of these coaches. Did not believe in instant fixes. Uh, they believed, uh, <laughs> Dick. Yeah, you're gonna Olympic lift five days a week. Yeah, for how long? For as long <laughs> as you want to do this. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Coach Mon. You know, it was at least four years, usually eight, to get it right. And when you have a vision of coaching like these two gentlemen do, uh, and you're you, you're raised in it, uh, you, you really have an opportunity to do you want to share the right way to do things and you know we're talking about my you know my internet uh, haters uh it's funny i mean i don't know how to say this nicely i was a division one uh most viable player uh, a national champion um i don't know state champions a bunch of times i'm pretty good (laughs) and yet the reason i'm pretty good is because of those two really um i I never was in a rush well that's not true i was always in a rush to, uh, to do things but it was always a slow rush, if you will. I knew you had to put the time in, and that's that's the great lesson from those two. All the mistakes I made, I look back on my ninth-grade journals. I've been keeping journals since 1971. Uh, I look at my ninth-grade journal, and I was smarter then than I would be for an additional three years. Uh, I believed in doing power clean, front squat, bench press, and military press. Uh, I ran hills or stadium steps and uh, i let the process unfold then i got involved with the cult of the bench press and all i started (laughs) doing was bench press bench press bench press i was bench pressing five days a week Uh, again to my internet distractors i was stronger in high school uh at 162 pounds than any of you will ever be in your life i was stronger as a high school senior in the bench press than i was as a senior in college in the bench press um as a senior, I weighed about 230, and uh, and, high, and I was stronger in high school than I was. Uh, so I got involved in the cult of the bench press. Fortunately, right <laughs> after that, I met Dick Notmeyer. So that the biggest mistake, uh, the, the biggest mistake one that would be, I think one, but I fixed it. But number two was believe in the magazines. Um, <laughs> right. You know, uh, the the amount of anabolic steroid use that I came up with was stunning and I honestly believed it was Brewer's yeast and desiccated liver tablets and so I was trying to train like these other guys who are on you know injectables and diana ball and anavar and all that other stuff right. and uh, you know there's it's funny because I, I recently I had a probably a 19 year old guy you can tell when a person's weak is when they're still succeeding on linear periodization uh, no good point Oh, no offense to you, but if you're still making progress <laughs> that, every every workout, you might not be strong yet. <laughs> uh, heck, I was about to make a point and I forgot it, but it was a great point. Don't you ever forget that it'll, it'll come back.
1: But no, that, that's that's a very good point. How do you how do you deal with getting people
3: to be more patient?
1: Because I think that's something that a lot of us who try to put out legitimate training information have to deal with because I'll get online clients where they will come to me and say, I've been overweight for 20 years and I need to get ripped for a wedding in three months. Is that possible?
3: Mike bless you. I don't have the
1: answer is no, of course it's not possible, (laughs) but it's amazing that they think it's possible. (laughs) And I think a large part of that, of course, is the magazines, as you said, and also late night infomercials where, I mean, the only people that are going to get in really good shape, in 90 days, or people that used to be in shape at some point, and they're just getting back to where they used to be. Isn't that? You know?
3: Do you mind please. if I, if I oh, please, uh, please. Rant, uh, not uh, let me uh, share some insights from my next book? Okay, it's not out, so we will just toss them oh, out. great! I believe that the best client to ever work with is the untrained. Someone right. who has I agree. No background at all, because they if someone has come in and listen, Mike, I have failed on 30 diets. I'm going to try yours now. Well, okay, worst client you can have because they have uh thirty failures and no successes right so mm-hmm. that's a really what I want is I want someone who's as fresh as a newborn baby, doesn't know anything, smiles a lot, and goes, "Oh, this is nice, I like this oh, so untrained are by far the best um dazed and confused is the other, and that would be the bulk of the uh, of the industry. Um, my, my mother-in-law, God bless her, not long ago told me that fruit makes you fat. And I said, now, why does it make you fat? Thinking that if you honestly did eat 75 bananas a day for a couple of weeks, it'd be really hard to stay fat. (laughs) Um, well, she had a friend who knew somebody who read Tim Ferriss's book. And according to the book, fruit makes you fat. I thought to myself, okay, that's not, that's not what the book says, this week it came out that fish oil is going to kill you if you walk past a bottle of it. Is that what the research said? No. In fact, it's the, it's the research – I called one of my buddies and I said, what's this story? And he goes, it is the worst bit of research ever come out with. It's embarrassing to read it. Ah, oh, thank you. Okay. I thought that was going to happen. So – but the, the media loves fish oil makes you fat. Uh, fruit makes you fat. Coffee will kill you. coffee's the best thing you put in your body. If you walk past the bagel, you will die. If you eat a bagel, you will die. Uh, so, dazed and confused at the bulk. There's another group that we have, and I call them in the book, I think we call them overconditioned and undertrained in the traditional sense. These are people who come in, they love slamming their face against walls, but they have absolutely no mastery at all of exercise, fundamental movement.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, No fundamentals. I mean, we're talking about dieting fundamentals, recovery fundamentals. I mean, there's a very famous program where the founder of it told me to my face he doesn't believe in recovery. And I thought to myself, you don't believe in recovery. It's not a religious point. It's a fact of nature. You have to believe in recovery. Then the worst, and I tell people just to fire these clients, it's detrained this is the guy who used to be a high school hero this the, the woman who used to be a cheerleader and forgot about the fact that when she was a cheerleader she was 13 years old the high school superstar <laughs> forgets the fact that he's 5 foot 3
2: and i say
3: just fire him don't even let him in your place uh, right right people think yeah. i'm a jerk about it but it's like trust me if someone's failed 30 times oh, or used to bench 225 used to you know used to could have benched uh, you know they're a nightmare And then the people you want are those who strive for mastery. I did a little thought not long ago about my favorite athletes I've ever coached. And most of them, uh, like Paul Northway famously, his parents were both musicians. So he grew up in a house that music was just part of who you were, but also practicing by yourself for hours a day was basically who you were. And what I noticed when Paul would do something he wouldn't strive for distance. He would strive for the quality of the repetition. And then I noticed that some of my best athletes now, I mean, some of my best athletes now are my doctor, uh, my lawyer. Uh, Paul is now a, a professor of art. Uh, another one of my former throwers is in England. Is a, he makes uh, He's an advertising guy. He puts together uh, commercials. And I noticed that all of them were very good at other things, too. You can't have lessons in the weight room, lessons in the... You, you, you can't be absolutely masterful in the weight room or, and not strive for mastery in the rest of your life. Uh, you'll notice I've got a good friend in New York, Mark Fisher, huge fan of Mark Fisher. His clients are all Broadway dancers and Broadway actors. Well, they have fabulous results, and I always think, well, yeah, it's because you've got such a great clientele because they're going to leave the place and then go memorize thousands of lines of work, bunches of songs, how to do the dance step, and where to hit their mark for six hours. You have, it's, so practicing mastery with that group is just normative behavior. So I, I hope that I, this is just from my next book, and, and I think it's really an important thing when you're starting to uh, – it's an assessment I'm starting to use on people, and it's actually the, the, their history. It's their history, if you will. Uh, the assessment history, if if that makes sense to you too, no, it's, I think it's great. Yeah,
1: oh, that's fantastic. Uh, have, you yeah, read, uh, have you read Have uh, you read Robert Greene's Mastery? Oh, sorry, sincerely. Have you read Robert Greene's Mastery, Dan? Because it sounds like a lot of what you're seeing is very much in line with a lot of his books. Yeah, well, if you up. haven't, I think you would like it.
3: Well, yeah. I, I read uh, George Leonard's work and that great work, Mastery, that was originally the Esquire magazine thing. So, oh, okay. uh, I've been. Of course, then there's Earl Nightingale, and so sure. I have been on the path of mastery for mastery's sake since I was younger. Um, and also, too, I have a very classic education—the great books. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was a great book student. Uh, that's a style education. I don't hear much about anymore. But we were, you know, we were expected to uh, uh, be big kids when it came to our education. We were expected to work on our own and then be able to discuss. A book, so I think that some some of my life, some of my life experiences come from my very solid education. So
0: yeah, I was just about to bring it up. Um, we're talking about masters now. It's not too far fetched from yourself. I mean, maybe some people that follow you from the fitness world may not know that, you know, you got a pretty big brain on yourself, there, Dan. I mean, you. you know, you're a, I mean a Fulbright scholar um and you also and it's funny though it's the coincidence what's funny is like you and mike have something in common um as far as religious studies as well
3: yeah i'm a i'm a instructor of religious studies for columbia college yeah yeah mm-hmm. i'm very proud of that is um, that your full-time is that your full-time thing dan
1: because a lot of people don't realize that strength and conditioning stuff is more of a not a hobby because you actually do this and make money but it's mm-hmm. it's more of a part-time or kind of a side gig
3: for you yeah i mean well I would I would hate to let's just go yin yang on that and just say that, that okay. <laughs> I don't know where where one <laughs> side ends and where the other side fills in. I do know this, especially with my online students now. Many of my online students will email me after the first couple of days of class and goes, they'll say, "By any chance, are you do you know are you related to Dan John?" And I'll will <laughs> email them back like. Well, yeah, well, I am Dan John, but <laughs> what do you mean by that? And they'll say, well, there's this guy who talks about strength. And, oh, yeah, same person. We're the same guy. Oh, that's good so um, fun. Many of my students uh, have told me that uh, some of my, and I actually include paragraphs from my book now in the classes um, on free will and things like that. Wow. And they really have enjoyed that. They think, because sometimes, you know, when you study a concept like free will, it does help to use dieting. Because everybody has a ton of free will on the 31st of December. The best dieters I've ever met are drunk <laughs> on the 31st of December. <laughs> and out there, they have got self-discipline like you can't believe. Hmm. Yeah. What, they- do you, what do you think it is that makes people just
1: lose ambition? I'm mean, assuming they ever had it. Let me, let me rephrase that because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily genuine ambition when someone's drunk on New Year's Eve and says, I can't wait to get things going January 1st. Yeah. But what, what do you think it is that people start losing that battle of attrition where they, they come out of the gate excited, and then a couple of weeks later they start losing a little bit of that intensity, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and it's another year wasted?
3: Yeah, it's funny you mention that because when, when I first wrote about it on T Nation, I said that I believe that free will is like a can of shaving gel. A can of shaving cream will sputter a few times before it goes empty but a can of shaving gel just stops working. If you've ever tried it, you know <laughs> And I think in the research, about they're, they're studying free will. There's a couple of books out. You can read them right now. And it seems we humans only have so much. So if you have a 6-year-old and a 4-year-old, the amount of free will you can actually put into your diet, very, very small. That's why I think it's important to hire a personal trainer. I have one. I have a personal trainer. Most people don't know that I actually hire somebody. Now, obviously, let's be honest, I tell him a lot of what I need to do, and he agrees. But I don't need any help in doing pushes or bench press or incline or military. I got no problem. I need someone to push my butt through doing pulling exercises and corrective work because I won't do it because I'm not really good at it. So I hire someone to become... My free will. If that makes sense to you. So No, nah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. If if I could you know, I watch these T V shows which I find very awful, but I mean the 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 los the loser <laughs> shows. Yeah. And <laughs> right, right, right. I would love to do one of those shows in a kind way. Where you actually would go to some place yeah. there's a place up in Arcata called the Whale's Tale. And for you know, what I was gonna do is I'll take all these of these clients for six weeks. It's cold up there. Um, we will feed them uh, we will. They have no. They can't go get any meals anywhere else because there's nothing close. And I will become their free will. And instead of doing those, ex- we'll go for walks. We'll talk about things. We'll eat protein and vegetables. We'll, um, in you know, enjoy life. I'll teach them basic human movements. And at the end of the six weeks, they'll all look great. Why? Because I was their free will. I, was. Their can their can of free will gel, and they didn't have to put any effort into it, so it works. Uh, we got those kids at discus camp, you know, and at the end of the week they're magnificent, because for a week I tell them to turn, 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 turn. I say it a hundred thousand different ways, but for a week I'm in your grill about doing turns. You know, if you want to get a, teach a kid how to tackle, you sign them up for a football team and you send them to practice. And at the end of a couple of weeks, it's pretty good tackling. So you just need you. Know, we need that. I'm not necessarily telling your audience to run out and hire personal trainers, but you need to have some kind of, uh, my friend, Steve Ledbetter calls it accountability buddies. You know, you need somebody that's going to call you and be there and do the work for you. Uh, I've got this new thing I'm doing that for every beverage, uh, alcoholic beverage i consume i have to drink a glass of water well it's really hard to get drunk doing that yeah <laughs> you know, know. So, but here's the thing my accountability buddy uh reminds me to do that and so what's nice is it's just not that difficult to drink a glass of water after every adult beverage it's really not that difficult at all so it works really well for me if somebody else becomes my free will if you have to design your own diet and your own exercise program it's going to be really hard to follow through on it. Uh, I I have a wonderful opportunity right now. uh, At 9 o'clock every day, I offer this free session at my house, and I've got a lot of people showing up every day and training with me. Now, why is that so good? Because many mornings at 8.30, I don't feel like working out. I'd much rather sit here and uh, type my new book or look what's going on on the web. But I know in half an hour I have a garage full of people, And so what gets me into my garage. It gets me doing my workout. It gets me, uh, today these guys are getting ready for the strong first cert. So these guys are really doing some hard training. Well, I can't just sit there and pontificate. I've got to jump in too. So it's weird by coaching them, I'm getting better workouts because I am stealing their free will from them while, because they're in my garage. (laughs) Okay. So there's several ways you can increase your free will. One, Hire somebody else. Get accountability buddy to to call you up when you need to be called up. Or the easiest way I found, get yourself into a group. That's why I think Weight Watchers works so well. That's why I think that groups like I've had, like the Cross Point Kettlebell Club, uh, Coyote Point Kettlebell Club, club have worked so well because we get together and the group becomes your free will. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm definitely a big proponent in that, and that's pretty much why I moved away from just doing one on ones. Pretty much like eight years ago and just started doing group training. Actually, what made me very aware of the importance of group training actually was just coming across an interview with Alan Cosgrove, you know, and Alan just kind of in typical Alan fashion was ranting (laughs) about um, just pretty much how it's just it's almost a waste of time for, for most of the clients you get with one on one training because they'll find a way to get out of it you're left there holding the ball like, okay, I'm sitting here at the gym waiting on this guy, you know, but it's just something about when they have another person to hold accountable, you know, that's holding them accountable. When he brings someone that's pretty much on the same playing field as they're on. So another, you know, another client joins with them or something like that, because for some reason when they come to us, they kind of put us on this pedestal where they're thinking like, well, you know, he's the coach. Well, he already has my money. I don't have to worry. You know, I didn't show up, but at least you still got paid. And, for most of us they think that that's important to us and i'm like dude i'll fire you i'll let you go you, you know i don't care about the money i need you to get the results because you walk around telling people that you're working with me and you're looking like that that's bad for business okay yeah. so the money that no one sees that you're giving me you know does not even equal to what everyone sees in you when you're walking around claiming that you're training with me so you're bad for business so it's easy to let them go but with something about having that group man and and especially when that group is like a family environment, where they know, like, hey, we're so and so. Haven't seen them in haven't seen them in class the last couple of days. Is they okay? Or they're like, hey, you know what? We're gonna do some recovery work over the weekend, even though we don't have class. Let's meet up at the park and go take a walk for about an hour, or just do a spin class or something together outside of class. Little things like that that they wouldn't be doing with me. So there's, I'm I'm with you on that as far as having that accountability. It, it's it's more successful than for a lot of people doing it one on one, or especially if you're trying to design it yourself. That's just It just doesn't work. It's like a doctor trying to prescribe medicine for himself and diagnose his own illness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you make a great point about the group, Dan. I mean, I remember Hicks and Gracie said in an interview, one stick you can break easily, but if you get a bundle of sticks, now it's very difficult to break it. And he's talking about how the group reinforces everyone within the group. And I, I like to have people over at my house once a week to train as well, and not something I charge for, but the one thing that I do require is everyone has to bring their best effort. In other words, I don't. If I have five guys over here, I want I want everyone just killing it because that's going to make all of us get better workouts. So I'm going to come in and crush it. And everyone else is going to come in and crush it. Mm-hmm. If someone is just standing around and you have to keep motivating that person, like okay, it's your turn, jump in there. They're like, oh, what am I supposed to do again? I don't want that around. So mm-hmm. I think I think I'm definitely a believer in a in a good group environment. But you kind of want to have the right people in the sense that people have to earn the right to be part of the group rather than oh, Mike's got a free training session every Saturday. I can't wait to hit, get over to that. I'm going to get some free workouts in and and not offer anything else in return. So I'm, I'm a strong believer in energy exchange. If someone's giving you something, then you need to give back as well.
3: Okay, I don't have that problem, but maybe I don't. Maybe I've lucked out too. You know, <laughs> you know in hindsight, there was a couple in there in Coyote Point who was obviously, the, you know, the one person who's... Uh, a kettlebell enthusiast told somebody on the way out, I didn't learn a single thing today. It's like, well, that's – and which is why you'll never move up in this field.
1: Dan, was this a class of yours or, a, or one of that's your group a, you sessions?
3: Know, we, you know, what we do is, I mean, you show up and I show up and we do some kettlebells. We talk, we laugh, we make fun of each other. So, we, I mean, this
1: is something that this person didn't pay for at all. This is a yeah. free thing. That, that's amazing to me that such a person would say – I left not learning a thing. They should be happy that you even made yourself available or something like
3: that. But but my point is, you know, uh, where's my mother of blessed memory? uh, She would probably have a lot sterner concepts, but uh, (laughs) she she yeah. We'll just leave it at that. That's (laughs) trust me. Uh, Yeah, sometimes you know it's funny. uh, uh, the, The people, it's the same group of people that you know. I had a client come to me with, uh, you know, lung cancer, and I, uh, I stretched out their wrist, and it disappeared. Mm. It, the same kind of we we're getting a lot of those in our industry right now. You know, <laughs> God, I just some of the stuff I read. I just uh, sometimes on Facebook, i you know, seriously, and I don't think I'm exaggerated on that. I maybe uh, I
1: don't think you are at yeah. all. Well, what are some of the things that drive you nuts? Not just on the internet, but let's say in magazines or some of the other some of the other training information you see propagated. What are, the, what are some of the things that just drive you crazy that you come across? Well,
3: okay, well, lack of honesty about anabolics. That, right, that's number right. one. It's pretty obvious they're taking them. And, right. So You know, you know uh, number two, lack of understanding about the, the life cycle of an athlete, uh, not only yearly, uh, but I would say, you know, during a, a scholastic or collegiate career, uh, and certainly uh, the 20s, 30s, so decade, if you will, by decade, uh, you know, you'll get somebody who will say, oh, my God, Dan, John, you're so fat. And it's like fat. That's right after Highland game season, man. Highland <laughs> game season. I'm wrecked. You know, six weeks later, I'm down to 209 at the state weightlifting championships, are the, you know, the, the the fall weightlifting championships. And I've got a six pack. You, you, you got to be real careful about. In an athlete's career, uh, you know it. You know these guys who fall in love with these the combine. They all get, dude, man, I don't know if you saw him. He did this, this, and this. Yeah, take a picture of the same guy in ten years. You know, it looks like he's never trained a day in his life. Right. And I think one of the things we need to be better at is respecting the 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 lifespan of an athlete and the lifespan of all of us. Uh, I love Maffetone's point. Everybody's an athlete. Uh, the the next thing is, of course, what Pavel calls Frankenstein training, uh, that the body is not one piece. The body is a collection of parts. Uh, it bothers me from every single... First off, anybody who believes in Frankenstein training, you've divorced yourself from three to 5,000 years of Western tradition, that we are not a bunch of parts. We are uh, we are completely integrated. And I, I. It's funny today, somebody was asking about a series of books they should read, and I told them to read Jacob's series uh, that'd be Drop Dead Healthy, Mr. Know-It-All, and The Year of Living Biblically, where he goes through the body, the mind, and the soul in these series of three books, which are, by the way, freakishly hilarious. But it's also that is our great tradition in the West, that we're not a collection of parts. If I stab you in the calf, it's going to hurt your bench press. Um, so uh, that would be that, that would be a big one for me that I might take might be bothered more than anybody else. And, of course, number four is that the uh, uh, the fact that you can be anonymous on the Internet and write anything you want about right. one anytime. Yeah. Listen, here's the problem. is I believe in the absolute freedom of religion, and I believe in freedom of the press. Freedom of speech is one. Uh, I should be able to slap your face, too. You've <laughs> got to agree <laughs> from that. In this is, you, you should be allowed to say anything you want. But I should be allowed to respond to it too, and I'm not talking about with a ooh a very wicked satire. What is that? Is it Annie Hall where the Nazis are marching, and uh, Woody Allen famously says we should show up with baseball bats and break them up? And the one guy goes, Wait! There was a devastating satire in the New Yorker about him yesterday, and Woody Allen just looks devastating satire. Let's break their knees, you know. Uh, I think you can have freedom of speech, but it's okay for me to disagree strongly with it, too, and that's the problem with the internet is you can be a fat 14-year-old in Nebraska and write anything you want.
1: Well, I think the key is to never get into an online argument with someone who's using an anonymous name because oh. right? I don't post anywhere with an anonymous name. It's always my name, whether oh, it's the Iron Garm Forum where you and I both post, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, of course. It's always my name, and I think mm-hmm. that if, if someone wants to be Mr. Tough Guy, what's your real name? Okay. Because if, if it's not – if someone has something to say on one of my YouTube clips where they're disagreeing with me, that's okay. But yeah. don't do it behind a fake name because that, that part irritates me right there. It's like, well, who are you so I know who I'm talking to? Because right now all I see is Handlebar497, and yeah. I'm used to my real name. So anyway, anyway like a good – I remember one time I got into some online argument with some guy in one of my YouTube clips, and I was complaining about it. Actually, to our guest last week, my friend Dale Hart. And Dale said, you made the first mistake. I go, what's that? He goes, you actually engaged someone with someone on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's no way to win those things because it's a total waste of time. I mean, these kind of hecklers feed off of you actually responding. So that's a victory for them. So if someone says something about you, Dan, and you actually respond, they're saying, oh, wow, I got Dan to actually respond. That just makes me feel like I'm
3: someone now. You know what I think, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'm not very good at it. You're, you remember got to remember I mean most <laughs> of my online interactions are extremely positive. My college students
1: Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, really uh, it's
3: funny cuz you know people say that T-nation is the wild wild west and I always find it there's only been one or two idiots I've ever had to deal with on T-nation and right. was just a just an out and out fool and I learned <laughs> basically I learned <laughs> Uh, I, I emailed Chris Sugar about it. He said, "Why are you even responding? Oh, oh, this is a game. Okay, <laughs> now I understand it's a game. Yeah,
1: yeah, but but I know I know how you feel though because sometimes it, it just irritates you to no end. So someone just says something, and and like you said, my response. I, I think people should be able to say what they want, but like you said, I get to slap them in the face as well. That's perfect i love that because there should be some accountability i think you can say whatever you want but you're going to have to deal with the consequences like my grandfather always said hey you can do whatever you want as long as you're willing to deal with the consequences and right now because because of the anonymous nature of the internet there really aren't any consequences so someone can go on there and just be a total idiot and heckle you heckle me heckle everybody out there and i kind of look at it the way i mean a famous celebrity they're not going to be on the internet responding to anyone you know, they don't waste their time with that. And yeah. I and I don't consider myself a famous celebrity, but my attitude is if they're not gonna waste their time then I should probably take a page from them and not waste my time either.
3: Yeah,
1: it's tough. It's
3: tough. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: like you said, you get a you definitely get a lot of positive views and honestly I've never heard anyone say anything negative about you. No well, some, some some of us can be polarizing. Sometimes we can say things where I can see why someone may say this or that about me, but for you, for example, whenever your name comes up in any circle, I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, you know, screw that guy. That guy's a total jerk off. <laughs> I took his course. <laughs> you know, he's a, he, I didn't learn a thing." It's usually the opposite. People sing your praises. There's a there's a funny story though in your book, Never Let Go, where you were in the men's room and you read on the wall coach dan john is an asshole (laughs) so he's a fat (laughs) asshole right right you said the only part that bothered you about it is the fat part (laughs) and i thought that was hilarious but uh you you seem to have experimented with some wild diets yourself over the years and i I think you wrote about one where you just drank protein shakes all day for a couple weeks what 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 are some of the crazy diets you've played around with And, uh, and what do you think is What's your balanced approach now having gone to different extremes?
3: Well, okay. Let's, let's go right to the answer. I think it's, (laughs) I think it's protein, veggies, and water. Right. Uh, right. I think, okay. So let's just get, let's get, you know, Pavel just said last week, and I think it was a great quote, uh, protein for strength, veggies for health. And it's like, you know, what else can you say except, except nod your head and go, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think it's really important sometimes, um, to fast. I think it's, I think it's, part of the religious tradition, the spiritual tradition, mm-hmm. and the political tradition, and I think it's a good idea to fast. Uh, I think you should drink a lot of water for your supplements. I still like fish oil. I like magnesium. I like uh, vitamin D. I think those are great. You certainly can do a lot more than just those. Guys. You know, go. I mean, there's no... Um, but the crazy diets I've done, well, I've done, I mean, of course, the bulk of my career I've been trying to get bigger, so, uh, oh my God, the time... Eric Subert and I were told that desiccated liver and brewer's yeast were like taking anabolics, so we got up to 200 pills each a day. <laughs> Man, if we farted, it would clear out <laughs> the weight room. Oh, keep in class. trying not to fart in class, and start <laughs> like teary-eyed. Oh, that was some brutal stuff. Uh, when I was putting on all that body weight back uh, when I first met Dick, I weighed 162. Four months later, I weighed 202, I and mean, I just got huge, and I was always hungry. It's a true story about me eating sandwiches before dinner, so I wouldn't be hungry while eating dinner, you know. I would be blind hungry 24 hours a day. Oh, I did the gallon of milk thing, which was terrible because my body doesn't like milk. <laughs> uh, that was a zit face and fart time. <laughs> my body didn't like that. Um I have been I've been very successful with Atkins. Um, uh, the that was probably for me the most insightful part of my career because I had no idea. Uh, there's the, the, let me go real quick. The, the Velocity Diet that was the one the six protein shakes a day and nothing else taught me two things I didn't know. One, I don't get enough protein, and two, I don't I don't drink enough. And I said to my wife Tiffany I, the other night, I can't believe how often. I have to relearn the lesson that I need to drink more water. I can't believe I have to keep relearning the same lesson. Um, But what the Atkins diet taught me was that my need for carbs is about zero. I mean, I don't need carbs at all. And if I do eat carbs, it's much better for me to get them out of vegetables versus a lot of other things. Um, Our lunch today, Tiff came home for lunch, and we had steak. I made uh, uh, squash. Uh, We had a salad. And we had those really small little potatoes, just a couple of those little, I don't know. the russets. Yeah. Is it the red potatoes or something? Yeah,
0: russet potatoes. Yeah, the
3: real small ones. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, of a of a meal, we probably had a palm size of steak. But, uh, I mean, I ate enough squash to be very happy with my squash intake for a few days. And then <laughs> a ton of salad, and a ton, you know, just a few potatoes. but. For me, that works out well. Now someone's going to read this and go, "Wait a second, my God, you ate potatoes? Aren't you going to die? Because potatoes are <laughs> nightshade family, and your yeah, your brain is going to die." Well, I'm so far, I'm still living. Um, oh, I've done it all. I've done the. I've done the six meals a day. I've done the. Oh, the protein shakes. I have ingested so much protein in my life. But really, I tell you, where I'm at right now with the uh, what I'm trying to do right now, and I'll just give it to you real quick. I call it the three E's. It's uh, eliminate, exercise, eat. So I try to go as long as I can from dinner. I want to make sure I eliminate. Now, eliminate's not just pooping. It's also for me. I also think you need to flush your teeth, scrape your tongue. Uh, I mean, if you do a sinus rinse, which is gross, um, it, eliminate. Don't read. Don't start your day with junk. Uh, news you know if you have to find out news find it out but don't get involved in every other bit of it uh and then uh exercise uh, and then after that i exercise i train for about an hour probably about an hour and a half most days today was only an hour and 15 because i just did 300 swings and i did uh 24 snatches so that's not a ton and then after that, I wait a little bit still. Now I wait a little longer. I write, I double-check my work, and then I have a meal, which I try to make vegetable heavy and some protein. And that has been oddly one of the nicest things I've done in my life. I, I actually feel better. Most people say I look better, but that, that's a terrible – look better is always a tough one, especially when you're Irish. Uh, when I was in <laughs> Utah State uh, in 1979, they water weighed us, you know, and I weighed 218 or 221 that day, and I was at 7.9% body fat. And I'm standing there going 7.9, you know, because i got no six-pack. One of the black guys on the football team comes in, and he go, I go, what are you? And he goes, 22. Dude's 22% body fat, and he's cut like the loser in a Tijuana knife fight. He's got an eight-pack. <laughs> he's got it all going on. It's like, Seriously. Seriously. So I think you gotta be real careful because I do think genetics are bigger. I mean, I think you know if you're Irish, you got the round face, you know, and you got you carry weight, you always carry weight around your neck, you just do. I mean, you can you can. Um, I think certain people do you know look better with less work. It's called genetics. You want to play basketball in the NBA as a center, you better be seven foot, friend. I don't care how nice of a person you are, at five foot eight, you ain't gonna play in the NBA. So I think the same is also true about genetics. So that was a long-winded answer, but it all comes down to, you know, I would suggest sometimes training in a fasted state makes you get your veggies for your health and get your protein for everything else.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's good information. Good stuff, now you have a, oh, sh- no, I was about to, I, I just lost my training thought as well. I was, it's funny because I'm listening to you talk and I'm trying to absorb everything you're saying, and then I'm also trying to think of what I want to ask you. After you finish everything, <laughs> and it just, it just went right out of my head.
3: All right, let, me, let me just go over a couple things in my next book coming up. I, it's yeah, sure. miles from being done. But, you know, one of the things, I, and I hope you're hearing this right now, is that I think we've lost reasonableness uh, from uh, the fitness industry. Right. What I just said about, you know, understanding your genetic traits is a pretty reasonable thing. Now, you know, if you're an 18-year-old frat boy and all you carry about is your six-pack and, and trying to get your number up uh, on your conquests, you know, you're not, you can't hear me. But in honest to God, over your lifespan, you've got to eat and train reasonably. And we've thrown it out. We've just tossed it out of the industry. Um, and it's funny because people then say to me, Dan, how can you believe in breakfast and uh, I tell everybody, if you're to train with me, you need to eat breakfast. And then I also say skip breakfast. Well, Oscar Wilde has that great quote. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas mm-hmm. in the mind at the same time and still remain the ability to function. So right. it's perfectly mm-hmm. okay for me to have multiple streams of advice for people because over the lifetime of you as my – athlete or as my client I'm gonna have to change my advice and no it's questions. perfectly reasonable to say that sentence
1: well I, I definitely agree now I mean I I can see how your religious studies background is in your work but how how what influence do you think it's had on your work work as a strength and conditioning coach <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> well it's funny because that's I'm actually working on another uh movement performance lecture and it's based on that i actually tell people that you really should take some either depending what your school is like western traditions uh there's sometimes it's called the, the foundations of western thought or something like that take a class like that because it will prepare you for strength coaching uh occam's razor for example you know uh when you have competing things always pick the simplest answer Later on, by the way, people forget this. Occam said you, you can get more complex later, but for right now, let's just see if we can go on the simplest thing. Right. Uh, there's, there was a great, uh, great Greek philosopher. He was at the same time as Aristotle and the gang, and they, they all hated each other. Uh, his name is Eubulides. I'm sorry, Eubulides. And he's that famous guy. Okay, I'll give you one of his great paradoxes. You got a bald man, okay? If you give him one hair, is he still bald? <laughs> well, how many hairs does it take until he's no longer a bald man? Right, right. <laughs> and I think what what's good about that I, I use I use those kind of concepts in my head all the time, because what happens in our industry is people love either or, and in mm-hmm. theology, either or is by far I, I'm going to say the low the the word I, I think it's a stupid. It's bad to be nice. It's the no. <laughs> form of reasoning on an answer. Right. And you, you'll notice that in the United States in 2013, we, we really are struggling right now. You know, there is no, we're not allowed to have both and anymore. My God, you know, if I say something good about President Bush to one of my friends, they're like, oh, he's the stupidest man to ever be president. Well, okay, fine. If I say to another friend of mine, I think President Obama's doing a great job. What? Did you see what he did? It was a thing on Facebook, so it has to be true. <laughs> right. So either or is the problem we run in this industry. Either right. you're doing Mark's uh, starting strength program, you're squatting this way, or you're an idiot. What? Wait, <laughs> Mark's program is really solid, but if you go another – if you do Jim Wendler's 531, you're doing okay too. Oh, no, Wendler's right. Everybody else is wrong. Really? Well, Pavel's Power of the People is a pretty good program. Yeah, Powell, Powell's right about everything. Anybody who disagrees with him is wrong. Well, that's true, but you know, you follow my point. Right, it's completely right. possible to be the way I see the world, and that's both and. You yeah. know, uh, and I think that comes from, of course, from my tradition. I, it all, certainly comes from my education, but it also is um, the only way you'll stay st- uh, sane through the, the 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 richest parts of your life. Uh, you know, it's. There are times you want to kill your kids. You know, they're <laughs> the worst people you may ever meet in your life, your own children. And it's nice sometimes to have friends say, oh, your kids are great. Really? They are? <laughs> I have no idea because I, I won't kill them. You know. <laughs>
1: I, think, I think what really helps people, especially Americans, get past a lot of that either or, and it doesn't always work, but is just traveling around the world quite a bit. And I don't mean traveling around the world where you go hang out with other Americans at Starbucks in each country yeah. you go to. I mean yeah. really immersing yourself in different countries different because you see yeah. that people live differently, and it, and it doesn't necessarily make it better or worse. It's just that people are existing in a, in a different upbringing than you,
2: yeah. and they're doing
1: just fine, and sometimes yeah, they they're doing be- better, and you're learning things from them. So I think I, I'm fortunate that I grew up traveling around the world quite a bit with my parents and that, that kind of, and then I, I, my mother's from India. My father's from Montana. So I definitely have the Western and Eastern mix as well growing up, but that always kind of got my brain to avoid this either or type mentality because you're right, especially when it comes to politics. And I have a few friends that are good friends of mine, but I, but I hate when the discussion starts going towards politics because it's always like what you just said. It's always very black and white and that just gets old real fast
3: exactly so i think you know it's funny cuz i think it carries right over to our our, our industry and in fitness right you know uh, either you or you're either or either and when you get stuck in that mindset you can't learn from anybody you can't you know you can't you can't expand yourself and that's the key is constantly and, and never ending expansion of yourself right you know?
1: I think it's in every industry, that I, at least every industry, industry that I've been a part of, Dan, is, is that mentality, because I worked in the tech world before I got into this, and when I came into a job, they were like, this is how things have to be done, this is what works, and then I would come in and do something completely different that sometimes was more effective, and that, that would drive people nuts, because it made them have to rethink what they thought was the right approach, rather than, oh, okay, this is interesting, this is a more innovative approach that may be effective, and then you see it in the martial arts world quite a bit as well. Like when jiu-jitsu started blowing up, everyone's going, oh, this is the best martial arts. Everything else is a waste of time. And then striking started to become popular again. Everyone's like, oh, no, Muay Thai is the best. Everything else is a waste of time. No, wrestling's the best. Everything else is a waste of time. So it seems to be that people love these simple, simple mind thoughts where they just want to believe that one thing is the way to go, and that way they don't have to think about anything else.
0: Well, yeah. Man, you know, we've always been, we've always, as people, been tribal. So it's always easy to hop into you know, another tribe and feel like you belong and instead of having to be the individual that has to like, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. Or, you know, I, I can see your point, but it's not exactly how I, I see it. But it doesn't mean that your point is wrong. It's your truth. And it, it takes a lot. It's as simple as that sounds. It seems like that, but it seems like it takes a lot for someone to stand I'm like, nah, I'm thinking a little differently. And Now, this is what's working for me. And seems like so many people are just afraid to have to take a stance on something that works for them and be and not necessarily have everybody agree with them with that. So it's just so much easier to say, okay, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, so, I'll, yeah, I'm conservative or I'm liberal or, you know, I'm Christian or I'm Muslim. I'm this, this, and this, you know, without having to just really see the other person's side. Like, so you don't have to necessarily agree with it and have to conform to it. You just see that person's point and be like, okay, that works for you.
3: Awesome. <laughs> so. Well, and also, too, Earl Nightingale pointed out famously, the higher you go in any organization, you know, the, the kinder, the nicer, the, the, the better in many ways people are. I think if you're an either or, you'll never, never move up. I mean, you might have a day in the sun, you might like luck out, but to, to really move up and uh, like, you know, I was an administrator for a long time and, you know, if, you cannot be black and white in administration. Because the black and white stuff, the easy stuff, you know, remember President Truman's thing, the buck stops here. Uh, well, I mean, in administration, all the easy stuff is handled well below, well before it ever gets to you, and you have to learn to to balance and juggle things. And, and I, mm-hmm. I would hope I I bring that sense to everything I write and everything I do.
1: No, I, I definitely think you do. In fact, I, I think a lot about one of your sayings about how. Why is it that people that are the strongest and look the best always do less than those who look terrible and train three times as long? And I always think about that whenever I go to a gym out here that I train at a couple times a week. Because the strongest guys there are a couple power lifters, one Olympic lifter. They'll come in, do three to five movements, and then they're out the door. And that's pretty much the same thing with me too. Four or five movements, I'm gone. And meanwhile, the same kids that were doing preacher curls have now moved on to concentration curls. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're about to hit their 20th set of tricep kickbacks. Yeah. And, and they're flexing in the mirror, and they can't find their tricep for the life of them. I go, you know what? It's not, there isn't anything there, buddy. No matter how long you look in the mirror, <laughs> you're not going to find anything. And, and it's funny to me that that even though they have examples of some pretty strong men and women that train there, and what they do, it's right in front of them. They just don't think that – either they choose not to see it or maybe they think that it's not going to be effective. But it seems to be a common problem with people that train that they always think they need to do more. So is that something you come across quite a
3: bit? Mike, it carries us back to our earlier part of our conversation. Right. This mm-hmm. has been something about how can they possibly listen to you when they spend – $5.95 on a magazine that tells them something the exact opposite.
2: <laughs> right,
3: right. And there's this belief that out there, everybody who's big is doing something better. But, and that's why I like people who tend towards minimalism. I mean, you know, you got, you know, you got Pavel has two books Power to the People, you know, got two lifts, right. uh, Program Minimum, two lifts. You know, Pat Flynn's got that really interesting thing. If you read his Chronicles of Strength, uh, he just had an article on Breaking Muscle about doing two exercises a day. You know, for the last month, I've been doing swings and something every workout. So swings and pull-up, swings and press, swings and Olympic barbell snatch, swings and. And I have discovered by, at, at the end of this little experiment that everything I know about strength training has been tweaked because right. I was wrong about a lot of things. Well, even yourself, you had an article way, a while back
1: in T-Nation several years ago where it was one exercise per day. Most popular
3: thing, uh, the most, the biggest threat ever on uh, T Nation. One lift a day. The problem is most people can't hear what I said. I said to snatch, clean, front squat, back squat, and uh, jerk. And what they heard was triceps press, <laughs> yeah. preacher curl. You know.
1: Like yeah, I'm gonna do that program Dan wrote about, but I'm, let me add in a couple things. Yeah, <laughs>
3: then I, they're right back to where they were. I love see it. Well, I love it when people tweak my programs. I love right. it. <laughs> Hilarious to see what they've done with it.
0: It's like, yeah, that was good, damn it. It could be better. <laughs> Let me just it's funny
1: it because whenever I design programs for people, they're always thinking, okay, is this it? i was like, yeah, this is it. You're going to work out three times a week. You're a busy guy. You just told me you're an executive. You've got a family. You have all these things going on. So Let's get you on three days a week, full body workouts, five exercises, each one compound drill, and let's see what happens. And what happens is they get way better results than what they were doing previously. And right. all they had to do was cut out the non essentials. That's the mistake they were making is they always thought they needed to do more. And then people will always ask me that at the gym I go to as well. They'll say, I never see you doing any bicep work or tricep work. And I go, yeah, I, I do bent over rows. That's biceps. I do pull-ups, biceps. I do overhead presses, triceps. And I get a lot of other stuff out of those exercises. So I, I, I think it's just hard for sometimes people to believe that, it's that simple. They're like, no, it's got to be more complicated than that. It can't just be one exercise a day, and that's going to work, or two a couple times a week. I, th- I think we just like to make things more complicated. It just seems like that's making it better if we do so.
3: Yes, and when you read, uh, there's those great series of pictures that Life Magazine released about it was last summer, and it was homes of the 19 early 1950s. And they had one bathroom, and they had uh, small kitchens, they had bedrooms, and all the kids had big smiles. What we would consider a chubby kid today didn't exist then. Right. And the kids mm-hmm. were outside laughing and smiling. Now, obviously, there's are pictures, but I think as you complicate and complicate and complicate, you also throw away some wonderful gifts. So uh, and off my soap opera, I'm sorry, I apologize. How how, how important do you
1: think competition is In bringing the best out of people And I don't don't even necessarily mean athletic competition It could be competition with yourself Trying to improve yourself often Because nowadays we have This this whole concept of No one's a loser, right? And everyone should get a medal Let's let's get jump ropes out of the program Because some kids aren't good at it And it hurts their self-esteem So let's just do imaginary jump roping There's this kind of a wussification of America wave that's been going on for a long time, and sometimes people think that if I say something like this, I'm exaggerating. But to me, I don't think I, I don't no, think you're I'm not. stating the problem enough. I think it's a, a, a much bigger problem. So we're kind of creating several generations of just this this wussification generation, where anyone looks at adversity as something that should be avoided.
3: Well, there's a great quote on uh, uh, Coach Wyatt. He has a he's a double. Uh, double wing football coach, and a friend of his is an English teacher, and she says to him, the last bastion of excellence in America is football, because it's the only place where mommy and daddy can't buy their way in, And, and it's funny because my brother Gary always uses the example about California. He says, California education, they put the high jump bar at one foot, and if you jump over it, everybody gets a gold medal. The kids know it's a bunch of bull. right? They know it. The only people who don't know it are the teachers. And it's funny, because if you try to rise up above it, you get shot down. I I don't disagree with it at all. I'm a huge believer in competition. Um, uh, Two years ago today, I got a total hip replacement. Uh, I have a $100,000 titanium leg right now. Hmm. And I said to myself, I'm going to take one year to rehab. I did Tim Anderson's uh, original strength stuff, you know, the the <laughs> the rocking and the Spider-Man stuff. And right. a, a, a year to the day after surgery, I started Olympic lifting. And nine months later, I became the state weightlifting champion. Now, you might say, so what? But there was our 34th state weightlifting championship, and I won. At the first state weightlifting championship, I got best lifter. At the 34th, I was still on the platform. So I'm proud of that. Today marks the second year, and today went out and threw the discus for the first time in four years. And what does that, why did that, what is this boring story supposed to tell you? (laughs) That if people have goals and challenges and competition, they get off the bed, they get down their knees, they do their rocking, they go to the half-kneeling position, they stretch, they pick up kettlebells and they press them a little bit. They try to walk around a block a little bit. Not for today, so that for a year from now, they can Olympic lift again. It gets you moving again. And there's got to be a line in the sand. Uh, sadly, the sport that taught it the best has been ignored in America. Uh, it's track and field, uh, just to get yeah. you point. Everybody in America compete in track and field. And here's why kids today won't compete in track and field. Because track and field does a thing called measure and the school record and the shot at your high school is 58 feet, and you throw 38, that means you got 20 feet to improve to break the record. Well, that's a long ways. Okay, yeah, I know. So what do you got to do? How do what do I got to do to get there? You got to show up every day and throw. Oh, every day? Well, I've got – I'm on an elite banjo team, and my mom thinks that I can make Division One as a lacrosse player, and I've got elite super-duper soccer practice. And then, of course, I'm also – Studying karate every other Thursday because I'm gonna get a black belt in a week. That's the problem. That's the problem. And I just said it. When tracking field is poor in America, Americans, it's not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll stop. She got me rolling, if she got me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, this is the kind of stuff we like. What do you? I mean, uh, what do you think that? Let's say and I'm talking about older people now, let's like see people out of college, et cetera, who have, who have gotten kind of soft mentally and physically, just on multiple levels. What do you think that they need to start doing to just start building mental toughness? Is it just physical training that's gonna get it there? Do they need to start getting more engaged in their community? What, you, what are some of the things that, mental toughness is important, so what are some of the things that people need to do to develop more mental toughness?
3: Oh, I, I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to hear you put you add that in there. I mean, that's very impressive. Yeah, community service. I mean, I volunteered during the year. Let's see. My goal is about 20 hours a week of volunteering. Most people don't know that, by the way. Oh, that's great. I volunteer at a local college. I volunteer at my church. And I volunteer in the community. Um, my wife and I are very generous in fact she doesn't know but she made a huge donation last night and i'm trying to get her (laughs) a beverage or two in her before i'm gonna tell her how much it was (laughs) it's a big number i mean a big number but i think there's some truth to that but for me you know i do this whole workshop on the boomer generation and uh my biggest thing uh um, i'm working on the best way to say it now but basically it's the best corrections are regressions. It's regressions, the best corrections. Uh, I gotta work, I'm working on it. But the idea, the problem is, is that most of our adult population doesn't realize yet that they've put themselves by sitting in a chair too much, too much commuting, uh, too much TV, too much video, uh, that they've put themselves in a situation where they have regressed back physically and we need to catch them and improve them in the basic movements at a quite a low level which is why i have this thing i call planks as a program where you literally do just uh, six different planks and that's the whole day's workout now people go god what about cardio well trust me i worked that in there i'm not an idiot uh <laughs> and uh, so i think we have to get down to n- almost no movement with some of your clientele uh, that's why I like, uh, you know, I know Brett Contreras has made uh, the hip thrust or what we used to call the pelvic tilt back in the forefront again. But don't forget, back in the 70s, uh, you know, the reason that you have a VHS is because of Jane Fonda's uh, video. Uh, the Jane Fonda videos got the VHS exploding. She had those. You know, at the Olympic Training Center in 1980, they show us the pelvic tilt. In Darnick's book in 1984, um, he has a huge section of the pelvic tilt. And the problem is it looks kind of weird for you to just lay on the floor and make the sex action. And so it's not very popular. <laughs> uh, but what's interesting is that if you do pelvic tilts, goblet squats, and then carry a weight and carry it back, you do that a number of times, you have a great workout. Uh, it's that simple. Pelvic tilts and goblet squats are my one-stop shop for most adults. Uh, and they really don't need um, – much. I mean, that's that's what makes them. I mean, how do I say this? Most adults have tight hip flexors, gluteal amnesia, and need to learn what the hips and the legs are supposed to do. So if you do pelvic tilts and gobble squats, I got most of your. Pro- hey, I got most of your problems here. I gotta fix. You know, I feel like I'm <laughs> a, I feel like I'm in a street corner. Hey,
0: hey, lady, lady, pelvic
3: tilts and <laughs> hey, hey, lady. Uh, God, you guys sell pelvic tilts on street corner. Hey, come here. Give me five bucks. (laughs) And I think it's that simple. Um, When I do that workshop for perform better, I mean, I during the hands-on, we go through it, and people are stunned. Here's the thing that knocks them out. I believe, uh, like from Stu McGill, you should be able to do a uh, two-minute push-up position plank, and if you can't, you're not training right, or you're morbidly obese. I love Stu. And these fitness professionals can't do it. They can't do it. I keep coaching at discus camp, and I test the kids on a couple things every year. And, you know, it's funny. I'll have a kid who's never done a push-up position plank get to the two minutes and look at me like, well, is that it? Is that all you want? Yeah. Kid next to him who's got three personal trainers and a special diet can't do a two-minute plank. And I'm thinking to myself, so the kid who has all these resources can't do the simple stuff. So it makes me start to, I ask more questions from there to find out, but I think it's that simple with the middle-aged clients. I would say first and foremost, planks as a program, that'd be push-up position planks, something I call batwing planks, um, pelvic tilts, goblet squats. Uh, I like the suitcase carry, that's the one-handed farmer walk, mm-hmm. and then something like a Turkish get up. And I think that if I can just get you to do that, we're on our way here. You know, we'll get you. We'll get you moving, moving better, looking better, living better, in not very long. If I can just get you to plank first, that's good stuff. You teach quite a few
1: courses. What are some of the more popular? What What have you found to be the most popular stuff that people want to have you teach? What What is What is it that you teach that's most in demand?
3: Oh, it's that one called intervention, where I walk you through. Basically, the questions I use. I mean, it, what I do is I open my brain up and I tell you how I. I'm not bragging. But I'm just you know I've been I've been lifting weights since 1965. My first trophy comes from 1967. My wife was born in 68. I mean, I've been around a long time. I've right. been at the highest levels of many different kind of weird areas, and so after a while, your brain begins to simplify, 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 and so intervention is the system that I think I use to help simplify it. And I, and it's funny because now uh, I think it's going to be in reasonableness, though some people don't think so. I'm down to basically for most people three questions. You know, uh, what's your goal? Will it make your life better? And how old are you? Okay, let's go. And yeah. then I have a few longevity tests. Boom, bitty, boom, bitty, boom. Uh, I, actually, I can see that I really do need to put this together in a bit of a flow chart. Are you detrained? Are you untrained? Are you dazed and confused? Uh, you know, I, I think I need to, to do that a little bit, but you know, that's what this next book is all going to be kind of about. It's mostly for the the older client. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a great market. I just yeah. think it's, it's a market that's hungry for some intervention because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're very confused. I think, I think one thing that's going on actually in our modern world is that we're inundated with so much information that people such as yourself that are very good at cutting through all of that and packaging things in a way that makes sense to people and accessible where they can actually get it into their life in a way that – where where they have the time to do it is is very compelling because otherwise for someone that – decides they want to get in shape and they just start doing some research on their own, on their internet, you know, forget about it. They're going to have so many different conflicting ideas coming at them at once. They have no idea where to go. And I think that's one of the main reasons why a lot of people don't take action is because they just get overwhelmed with the amount of information and then they just shut off at that point.
3: You know, that's a, you know, that's an excellent point. Uh, So uh, maybe another category called, uh, hang on just a second. So, so another category called information overload, perhaps. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's, now, you're going,
1: to be, you're going to be teaching the intervention stuff in the U.K. in October. Is that's is that going to be your material? Uh,
3: uh, hang on a second. Let me make sure I get this written down. Uh, over. <laughs> yeah, over. yeah, that is good stuff. I broke your train of thought there. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, I don't have – I won't be in the whole thing, so I won't have time. So if you right. don't mind, uh, maybe I'll cu- uh, teach reasonableness. I'll drop, I'll, I'll cut it down to like three questions, but I'll still go over the quadrants. You know, uh, I'll still go through the basics. I'll, I'll shave it down a bit. How honestly, if
1: you, if you, if you need more time, Dan, we'll give you more time. Honestly, because people out there, I don't know if you've taught in the UK before, but people are really hungry for good information. Now they'll be happy to stay with you as long as you're willing to be in front of the room. Yeah. So just let me just let me know how much time you think you need to get things across the way you
3: want to and we'll, well definitely
1: make that happen.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't remember what you told me. I can't remember what was, but I it was
1: but I think it was three and a half or four hours, but I mean just just let me know. Whatever sure. you I mean just take take a look at your notes whenever you get a chance and just sure. let me know sure. by email and we'll definitely accommodate you on that because I know a lot of people are really enthusiastic to get you out there
3: because hey, they've read your
1: books, what? they've been online. Yeah, yeah sorry sure go ahead. Good.
3: E- re-emailing all that information to me just so that, sure. let me just look at it. But that's fine. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, it's funny because I, I think I'm a pretty good throws coach, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like I can't charge people for throws. You'd never make a living as a throws coach, you know. So right. I, I donate all that. I just straight up donate it. I get it. Uh, I'm on the phone all the time uh, with young coaches. Uh, just today, a young soccer coach just got the job. And he just needed, he needed, uh, some of that been there, done that kind of guy. I've never coached soccer. I played it. Well, I did coach that one year, but, um, you know, he just needed somebody to walk through the basics of coaching, coaching one one you know? And, uh, so, so when I, when I get to the intervention workshop, I think the reason people like it is that no matter what you are, even if it's, just, you're a master athlete, you're a college athlete you're a trainer or coach there's stuff in there that you can use the the idea of the intervention uh program is that here here now go do it here i'm just giving you this this template that i use now you go run with it okay if you don't mind yeah no doubt yeah Yeah.
1: now dan do you have anything coming up you would like to plug i know you're working on some products. That are gonna be coming out soon. But do you have any events, any workshops or anything that you'd like to
3: plug?
2: Yeah, I mean
3: yeah, I'm doing perform better in Long Beach and I'm going out to Steve Sachs's place in Mountain View, and that's uh both in uh uh August. Uh I have I, I, most of my work is not open to the public. And then um well I'm Just traveling a lot. I mean your thing in England, I've got a thing right before it in Sweden. I mean I've I'm traveling every weekend until November I think now. Wow. You know so, I mean
1: have have you thought about doing this full time or do you just enjoy keeping all the other things you have in your life?
3: You mean just
1: doing workshops? Just just doing I mean just being a strength and conditioning coach and that's it. Just writing your books, putting out your books, videos, writing articles, traveling.
3: Well, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know what? I would actually worry that my quality would drop. Uh. I would worry that, uh, you know, one of the things people say that's kind of interesting during my, uh, workshops is I quote Gilgamesh and Beowulf and all this stuff. I would right. worry that I would lose the other edge of things the the keeping it real, you uh. know, kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe, huh? You know, I don't, I mean, maybe I'm full of it, but I think there's some truth to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a fun business. So I just think, I just think that, I mean, I'm sure you're already having a good time. I'm just curious if what, what would happen if you went full time with this and what you would come up with?
3: Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Tiff and I had this conversation not long ago. The thing I would hate to lose is the volunteering. Right. Uh, Right. You know, this month, uh, this next month, a whole bunch of school, you know, the school teachers start uh, on a day, but their kids of the school teachers start the week ahead. And don't okay. So a, a school teacher, you start about ten days before the school year, right? But their kids. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch a bunch of faculty members' kids of, like my god, my goddaughter's kids and a couple others, for a whole week. Now, now that look, that's the stupidest sentence I've ever said in my life because think about it. <laughs> But at the same time, what a gift to give those parents, you know? So oh, That's
1: cool. So what about yeah? What about any of the volunteer work you do? Are there any organizations that you work with that you would like to, for people to be aware of?
3: Well, I volunteer at a small NAIA school here. Uh, I'm their throws coach. Uh, I do a lot of church work, which would be separate. Um, my wife and I support a number of, of things here in Utah that don't are kind of unpopular, but we believe strongly in. One is called Equality Alliance, which uh, the gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual community. We support them for you know certainly equal you know equal benefits, equal rights. Oh, very uh, cool. Uh, most people wouldn't know that about my wife. No,
1: I. I don't think people would ever guess that about <laughs> you. That's cool though. I like my,
3: that. My wife and I support a lot of uh, unpopular causes that we think need help. Right. Uh, and even if you disagree with some of the stuff we sponsor, you know, I still think you have the right to the, these are you know these are important things we can't ignore. We also have a, an endowment at uh, one of the local schools, so that the children of faculty members can afford to go to the school, and that's something I'm trying to press uh, a little bit bigger uh, in the future. What I try to do is I try to find we try to find places that that are kind of get, kind of get overlooked but are still need need issues so uh part of and the reason I I, I give away so many hours of coaching is it helps me hone my own craft right. so uh you'll read the facebook posts about people making fun of our workouts and stuff like this it was too hard it was too easy it was too this to that but what's good about it is we have these this dialogue that I can actually see and improve my own skill set so I got to be careful here because I get as much out of doing this as I put in, so I have to be a little. It's sort of selfish too on some of the volunteering I do. Okay. You
1: know that's a very good point. Then Mm -hmm. I think that's something a lot of people don't realize is that you get so much out of volunteer work and doing these kind of charitable things as well. I also think you make another great point: is that not enough trainers spend time honing their skills, like what you said right there. That's perfect because when I first got into business, I, I. I thought to myself, why would anyone want to pay to come see me teach? I've never done anything yet, so I started volunteering with some local firefighters, volunteer firefighters. and I said, look, let me just come in there and train you guys a couple times a week. Of course, I'm not going to charge anything for it. And not only was that a big confidence builder for me, it allowed me to work on the skill set. It was great for them. It was great for me. It was win-win all around, and it, it gave me a lot of confidence. So that's that's some great advice for anyone who's who's thinking about getting into the fitness business. Who wants to work on that skill set? Because so many people forget to spend time building the business, spend time building their teaching skill set, mm-hmm. spend time working on their communication skills. Right. I think you should be able to communicate via writing, via public speaking, via podcast, radio interviews, etc. I mean, those are a very important skills to develop.
3: Well, and I, if you don't mind, I just add one other thing: if you make sure, kind please. of a blank welcome, so that you want to get people at your you want new uh, new problems. For example, well, when we were at the Coyote Point, I don't want to rip on anybody, but Dan Martin. Bill uh, we'll brief you. <laughs> uh, but Dan Martin, a retired fireman, would show up. Well, Dan's, uh-huh. Dan has some physical issues, but he triumphantly has overcome them. And it's fun because, you know, you can't. Can I train a retired fireman like I train a high school football player? You know, at first glance, you say, yeah, Dan, it's. Everybody's got the same human movements, everybody's got the same body. Okay, I know that's both true, but there's a butt sitting right here. But he's an injured, retired fireman. So that teaches you to do what I call the intervention process. It's going to be the same basic human movements. It is the same basic human body, but let's move here, not there. Okay, And then you've got a woman who's got, uh, well, I work with a woman who's got M.S., So things are a little different with her, and then I've got these. I've got uh, one of my uh, Parker Burns. I love the kid. He's a frat boy studying exercise phys at the U. You know, he he can do lots of stuff. So, but I want them all in the same group. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to put together a workout that'll test Parker and Mike Brown, and and Mark, and keep these other people in the in the play too, including me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely keeps you sharp, you know.
3: Yeah, keeps you sharp. That's right. You figure that group out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question. Now, Dana, one thing I, I wanted to make sure I asked before—I know you have to leave soon. We don't—we don't want to keep you on all day. But what motivated you to major in religious studies? What got you going down that path?
3: Oh well, oh, that's a long story. Uh, <laughs> It's it's my later it's my later a uh, master's degrees I uh, my, okay. I had a I had this idea I was always convinced that I would never make it you know I, so I had this idea for example I was going to either get a Division one scholarship or become you know go in the Marine Corps so I was able to get a, a junior college so I figured well either I'll get a Division one scholarship or become a California high Patrolman. So I majored in my skyline college, I majored in paralegal research so I could slide right over to criminology. See how this works? Well, Utah State gives me a full ride, so now I got a degree. I wanted to get a degree, and my favorite topic in that, the police stuff, was the politics, so I got a degree in poli-sci. Then I got a degree, in, a master's degree in history, and then I started teaching, got the, the Fulbright one off for a while, the Middle East uh, came back and then went full time because of that background in history in the Middle East. Went full time into theology and religious studies. So, just you just got to remember, I mean, I had a bachelor's degree. My bachelor's, I was 21 when I had my bachelor's degree. I had no more NC2A eligibility and a bachelor's at 21 years old. So, well, I had my master's at 22. So, I mean, I, I was. I mean, I had my nose to the grindstone academically, you know, I was, you know, I worked hard and, and I also worked full time in a cheese factory and I was assistant track coach when I got my master's degree. So I was always convinced the the, the sky was about the, you know, the, the, the roof was going to fall in on me. You know, <laughs> yeah. So that's, how, that's the story. And, you know, um, I've always been, it's funny because I've always been really uh, the concept of religious studies ties in everything. It's it's one of those fields that knits everything together. Uh, right. You have to know your geography. You have to know your history. You have to know your politics. You have to know your theology. You have to know comparative theology, comparative religion. You know. So you have to know sociology, huh, psychology in many yeah. ways. Right. You have to know a lot of things. And so it's very uh, – you always feel like you're not smart enough in the field I'm in. You always feel like there's, right. you're just missing something you know and people are constantly saying have you read this book as you just did not long ago right right because it's more books yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: you
1: never you never (laughs) tap it out in this field i think that that kind of makes it exciting is the fact that you don't there's always something more to learn i mean really i have a degree in religious studies as you know it's it's not something where i would ever consider myself an expert on any of the religions i study. it was I, I got the first couple sips of the glass and there's so much more to take in so much more to learn. But to me, that makes it exciting. That's what makes this business exciting or what makes training exciting is there's always something to improve. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Here, here. Yes, absolutely. Awesome.
1: Any final thoughts, Dan, anything else you wanted to plug or, or say
3: I'm not very good at plugging,
1: I guess. <laughs> well, we'll give you a good plug, Gabby. I mean, if you haven't checked out Dan John's website, definitely go to danjohn.net. You can learn about his books and videos, which I recommend highly. Definitely take a look at some of his clips on YouTube as well. But, but mm-hmm. pick up Intervention. Get Never Let Go if you haven't. If you haven't gotten it, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're in for a treat. Pick up that book and kick back and enjoy it. It's, it's one that I read often. Probably every year I at least skim through it. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just so much good information. You're a good writer. You're a very engaging writer. You have a good sense of humor, and the information is excellent as well. I kind of like your yours and Brooks Kubik are my favorite books to read, huh. Dinosaurs, Painting oh, and Never Let Go, good stuff. And then you can check out. You still write for T Nation, I believe. Yes, so yes there's, I, there's I a do. Whole, yeah. Whole archive of articles on there. You're on Facebook. You're on. Are you on Twitter too, Dan?
3: Uh, I don't have a Twitter account, but there is a fake Dan John account, which is hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. Uh, it is. It's funny because people say I say funny stuff all the time. Yeah. And the funniest stuff I say has is not – the funniest stuff I say is, is – like one time he, – he quotes me correctly one time, or he, she, whatever, quotes me correctly one time when I said to somebody – you know, I like you a lot, and that's the problem. You know, I meant it really nicely, but it comes out kind of funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just uh, Twitter.com fake Dan John. <laughs> yeah, we'll give,
1: we'll give the fake Dan John a good plug. Get, a, get him or her a lot of followers for, yeah. for him or her. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to ask sincere? Hey, I'm looking forward no. to hanging
3: out with you. I think it's going to be great.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. It's going to be a good time. People are very enthusiastic about it. And I'll get back to you in the next couple of days with just setting up your flights and accommodations and things like that. We'll, okay. we'll get that okay. taken care of.
3: All right. Thanks man. so much, Dan. It's Appreciate great. it. information, man. Thanks you. a lot, Dan. Okay. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. Same here, brother. All right.
0: Thanks so much. You have a great day. You too. Talk to you soon.
1: Take care. Bye. And that's Dan John, folks. Remember to check out his website, danjohn.net, and you can just put Dan John in Google, and you'll get tons of articles, clips, et cetera. So it's definitely a great resource for some very, very reasonable strength and conditioning information that's extremely effective. And sometimes yeah. you have to get over – the notion of making things more complicated and this is a mistake. I still make with training every once in a while where I'll do a basic workout and think huh? Maybe I should start adding a couple more things and the solution is usually to start taking away things It's yeah. never really that I need to do more it's, I mean I may need to do more work as in more work on those basic moves, but not necessarily add more complexity That's never the solution that always takes away
0: Yeah, it was definitely like um, it was funny He was talking about just doing the one exercise a day and the ones that he mentioned, it's so funny that someone would actually say, like, um, that's it? When you have this and this? I'm like, let's yeah. look at the exercises that he mentioned. Those are right. not just, like, you know, those body part exercises that Dan was talking, you know, that we should get away from. I mean, right. we're talking about very compound movements that, honestly, they pretty much deserve the respect of being the only exercise of the day. <laughs> okay, when you're talking about power cleans and, you know, overhead presses, you know, the front squat. Like, dude, it's not like you're just working your legs on front squat. Okay, it's not like right. You know, it's not just like you just trying to work just on explosiveness when you're doing a power clean. You know, it's it's working pretty much everything. If you're doing them correctly, your eyebrows are tired when you're done with that thing, man. <laughs> so, it's oh, just, honestly, oh, it's man, amazing even, that okay. Well, I, I need to be doing something else. Like if you're doing it, if you doing that one or two things, doing those couple things correctly, you don't want to do anything yeah. else. <laughs> not so true. Even
1: deadlifted, When you hit deadlifts really hard. I mean, you're pretty much done. Yeah, they, you don't want to do anything Deadlifts
0: else. deserve their own day. You know, it's like, it's not mean, even that, about That's day. Hey, it's deadlift day. day. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I look at every Friday to me as deadlift day. That's exactly the way. I mean, I do some stuff afterwards, but my attitude is the most bang for the buck exercise I'm doing that day is deadlift. So I want to put everything I have into that. And yep. then doing things like floor presses or dragon flags and so forth afterwards is just icing on the cake.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, like, you,
1: sometimes you hit the deadlift so hard, you're like, you know what? I don't need to do anything else. That's yeah, I'm going it. home. <laughs> <laughs> and barbell squats too. I, I always do barbell squats and deadlifts first if they're if if they're if that's the day for them. It's, it's yeah. not something I do at the very end. I think the mistake a lot of people make is they go, I'll do deadlifts at the end, and then it's easy just not to do it. It's like, ah, I'm kind of tired from bench. You you did all this other stuff, which is the icing on the cake. It's not it's not going to give you the most bang for your buck, and then you don't have anything left for the most important
0: exercise of that day. And mentally, you're just not there by that time. It's like, and right. the one thing about something like barbell squats or a deadlift, man, you got to, your mind needs to be all the way in it. Not that any other exercise you do, you shouldn't be that way, but those two really require that your brain, or any Olympic lift. It's like, you got to right. have your head in the game. There's no, man, okay, well, let me just think about this. Oh, when I'm done, I'm going to go and grab a shake from here. Or I'm gonna, No, it's like when you step on that platform and you're like, okay, I need to bang this out feet or am i rooted the bar is it close to my you know my shins you know my breath you know how am i feeling right now and if you're not feeling it step away from the bar you know leave your ego right, right there and step away and get your head together if you still can't get your head together all right man call it a day guess what you get another day to lift you can come not back so
1: true and then there are also days where you, you hit a deadlift pr and you're so psyched up that the rest <laughs> of your workout you just destroy yeah so, i mean that's the other cool thing about deadlifts is that I mean, when you hit a heavy deadlift or you have one of those days where a heavy deadlift just flies off the floor, I mean, you feel like a million bucks. You're ready to just crush it with everything else you do. Now, if you waited till the very end, you would have missed out on that. So it's it's just one of those power moves where, I mean, get it done because if something comes up, at least you got that done. It's one of those things where if you're going to, if you don't have that much time to work out, then then it's even more important that you prioritize. And even if you have all the time in the world to work out, the rules are pretty much still the same. So, I mean, so whether you have 45 minutes or longer to work out, you still want to prioritize on the stuff that's going to give you
0: that biggest return. Definitely, man. I definitely agree with that. So, yeah, man. So, well, cool. Was that was another good uh, one. Yeah, that yeah. was really good, man. You know, like I said, just so much information from Dan. It's just hard to bottle it up, you know, just in this one podcast. I mean, you yeah, you've got decades of experience. And one of the things I'm learning, dude, as I'm getting older is like I want to, it's like two, it's two sets of people who I really love having conversations with now. People who are much older than I am. And I'm saying that Dan is like 30, 40, 50 years. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm based on experience, not on right. each number. I'm talking right. about experiences. It's so people with all these experiences and that are willing to share them. And then also on children who yeah. have not been tainted by experiences, who right. still have that fresh look of life. They're still seeing, you know, life from the very beginning they're asking lots of questions so it's kind of like i'm getting the beginning and 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 the result in the the end of this so i'm getting the big questions that i'm learning from children like my nieces you know who like four and nine you know even my 14 year old daughter you know so i'm getting those big questions and then i'm getting this wealth of information these These answers, you know, that I haven't quite made it there yet from those who are older than me and have more experiences than I have. So it's just like I'm taking the best of both worlds right in this. I feel like it's really helping me to become more, just a much better person. I don't even want to say a complete person because I'll never be complete. Always going to be a work in progress. You know, as soon as I'm thinking I'm complete and I'm done, well, I don't have a decision anymore. I'm dead. (laughs) So, you know, but like I said, I'm loving this, man. I'm just like, and just to listen to him talk, I'm like, yeah, dude, tell me more. So I can tell yeah. people, if you have, like, we're so caught up in our own world, the majority of us these days. Like, look, if your grandparents are still around, your great-grandparents are still around, hell, even your parents, man, take some time out. Just stop just, you know, just being on your phone while you're around them. Or anything like, that. just start digging. Start asking questions. And they'll, most of the time, they're willing to share that. Find out more about where your family came from and what they did to get here or, you know, who the biggest influence in, those questions, who really asked their parents that? Like who were the biggest influences in your life? And right. why? Things like that. I mean you'd probably be very surprised what you learn. And yeah. you you'll definitely see your parents, grandparents, you'll see and yourself, you'll see yourself in a different light. You know, ask that kid, you know, what is it, you know, that they truly love? What do you really want to be? You know, you know, and it's amazing how every few years that changes up. And yeah. you know, just chronicle that when you ask your kids that just like, oh, okay, he, was, he wanted to be a firefighter a couple of years ago. Now he wants to be a lawyer. Okay, now he wants to be a scientist. You know, or, you know, now he wants to be a football player. So you just start seeing this evolution. And then you ask, like, hey, why? And I think a lot of times parents just ended it that. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a firefighter. Oh, that's cool, little Johnny. No, <laughs> why, why, little Johnny? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you right. know,
0: and you'd be surprised. Like, well, because they're very brave and they really care about people and they want to save people. So then you start to see like this child is not just a kid that sits around and just plays PlayStation or whatever. They actually have a brain. They're actually thinking. <laughs> so it may make you think like, who do you want to be when you grow up? Because some people are still trying to grow up, even if they can be in their 30s or 40s. They're still trying to find themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so it's amazing how these kids, they know what they want at that time. So they could, we can learn something from that.
1: Yeah, it's just really cool to be around anyone who's excited about something. Yeah. You know, so whether it's a teenager or a kid or, or a senior citizen, it's 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 contagious. When you're around someone who's really excited about whatever they're doing, right? It's it's you can't help but not. You, you may not even get excited about what they're doing, but you can't help but want to have that feeling. It's like I want to be excited about something. I don't want to just watch reality TV for five hours <laughs> and and wonder what's going to happen on the prices, right? You know. I want to. <laughs> I want to have. I want to be excited about my life. What am I doing watching all this vicarious living? I want to make something happen. So it's I mean, be it's, it's, it's always cool to be around people that are
0: excited about anything, whatever it is. I mean, come on, Mike. Be honest. There was something about the way Dan got excited and went into the role play and started becoming the street hustler on the corner selling hip thrusts. Tell me that <laughs> didn't kind of like. Get you, tell me that did spark something. And then you're like, this dude is getting excited by talking about hip thrusts. And then you and then you think about. Okay, where was I when Jane Fonda's workout video came out? I'm like, let's see, I was 12 years old and I was excited by hip Thrust too, but in a different way, <laughs> you know. But he took me back then, like, okay. Well, yeah. she
1: was she was pretty hot back then,
0: Jane. Fonda. You know what's crazy? <laughs> she's still
1: hot. <laughs> yeah, she, she does, yeah, she's she changed well. But back then, I remember, oh, I remember yeah. watching Odd Golden Pond with my grandparents, and all like, that. It's a pretty good movie. Once, once the Jade Fonda scene came in, where she's jumping in the in the water in, in her bikini, I was yeah. like, "This is a damn good movie." <laughs> and, and it actually is a good movie. It's, it's, a, it's a good movie to, it, because my grandfather was exactly like Henry Fonda's character in the movie. My yeah. dad's father. I mean, so it, it's, that movie is always fun for me to watch because of that because it reminds me of him so much. Yeah. But it, but but the. The Jane Fonda swim scene—I mean, that's classic material right there. <laughs> you know, she looked, she looked great, man, back then. You're right; she still looks good now, but she—I mean, she was in her peak when she was doing those, those oh, yeah. Jane Fonda workouts. So I'm not, I'm not surprised they blew up. I remember there were a few fitness women back then that obviously had serious sex appeal, but it wasn't over the top
0: in exactly. terms of the way they didn't they have they to show
1: too much. I mean, it, right, was,
0: right. it was the way they carried themselves too. It, you saw the spark, this, this little bit of confidence. Whereas yeah. these days, you see a lot of these. Folks, you know, men and women, they're half-dressed, but I don't see the confidence. Right.
1: I, I see I don't an see actor. that with a lot of actresses either. Like I say, I classic, see an actor. <laughs> yeah, some of these classic actresses, like Ava Gardner, like that. Oh, I,
0: man. Just,
1: that's a – I don't a know what – look, right dude.
0: There. I don't know what Max Factor was doing, but this dude, <laughs> I, <laughs> it seemed like every woman – I don't care who you were – Every woman from like the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. When you see these black and whites, you're like, what the hell? Were there were there any ugly people in Hollywood back then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, seriously, it's just like who the hell? And what the hell were they eating? What was going on back then? Whereas now you look like, oh my God, here's this actress. She's freaking 17 and she looks like she's going on 40. Right? <laughs> you know, these days there's this hard living or whatever. These women were so glamorous back then, man. And
1: just yeah, bad, even the men confidence, man. Yeah, just yeah, exactly both. The dudes are You know, they weren't
0: trying that hard.
1: <laughs> and and it, there's totally there's a big difference distinction between Ava Gardner confidence and then let's say a, a housewife from Kansas who's coming out to Vegas to to <laughs> do what to have a weekend where what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, in Vegas. at least she hopes. Where she's walking on four inch high heels for the first time and down the strip. and, and about as graceful as a giraffe on roller skates. Oh, looking going. like Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: It's,
1: looking it's like it. a brand
0: new born pony, like, oh wow, girl. It, and that's always like our that's our running joke every time we visit Vegas, like, Oh girl, this is not the time to try to learn how to wear heels.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but I mean
1: every once in a while you'll see some really competent women. I don't know who they are or what they do, but they're they're not wearing sh- skirt shirts as i like to call them yeah and, and they're not trying to be overly sexual but they have mad confidence and you can just oh, yeah. feel that they walk by and i'm not saying i'm a guy who's like oh i don't think women should be wearing these revealing outfits hey go for it i like to look as much as any other guy does but but the point is is that you're you're not getting you're not getting the same I don't, I don't think you're getting the effect that you're going after i think i think i think someone like that ava gardner like a, a woman who's another example of a woman who's still alive uh what's her name helen Mirren. Well, her too, definitely. But there's there's an Italian actress, uh, Monica Bellucci. Oh, Monica yeah, Bellucci.
2: Good see, lord. Monica
1: Bellucci, that that's a real confident woman. When you see yeah. her in interviews, she's never wearing uh, skirt shirts or or soup or short shorts or whatever it is. But I mean, in her prime, and she still looks good now. She's an older woman, but in her prime, I mean, she exuded mad confidence, and that's that's a really attractive quality to most guys.
0: Even if you know, even if she does a nude scene in a movie. It was it's, it's tasteful. I mean, it's not like she's trying. i like, I have to do this new scene in order to get attention. It's like, no, she already had attention. You know, right. she already commanded attention. From, the, the new scene was just a plus. Okay, if yeah, a yeah,
1: it's, too, it's too over the top. Like when you look through a fitness magazine and they have a bunch of fitness women in there, it's always – hands on the bench,
0: ass in the air, you know, it's like, let's, oh, make, I, oh, yeah. let's make every move, the ass move poke, is the ass poke pose, you know, right. you're like, you're really pushing your ass out, like, girl, your lower back is going to be sore tomorrow.
2: It's like, you know,
1: <laughs> a good-looking woman doesn't have to do any of that yeah. to put out sexual energy. That's already there. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's too desperate. It's like you're trying too hard. And, I mean, I know that these are male photographers that are telling these women to do this, too. So I'm, I, I doubt the women are like, okay, hold on a second. Let me get into this pose real quick. Even on
0: the flip side of that, same goes for a lot of the guys, too. I mean, like I said, back in those days, you know, you had guys like Clark Gable, you know, right. Gary Cooper and all those guys. They were suave. They didn't have to try to be. They were just effing suave, dude. Right, you don't right. have to sit and try to be sexy and, then like, you know, pulling the the Ryan Gosling. You know, I know a lot of women are going to bash me for saying that, but come on. Man. <laughs> it's like he knows. He He works. He knows the angle he's working right there with that Hey Girl madness. <laughs> you know, so the thing is, and trust me, that didn't happen overnight. It took him a while to get there. Like that, like that, came like out the box like that. Like the
1: Thor movie, it's like, all right, let's get that low-rider chief scene in there for the ladies and so forth. It's like, all right, all right, come on <laughs> yeah,
0: now. Let's go ahead and <laughs> do with the long, stringy blonde hair. Let's go ahead and throw some water and make him sweaty. You it's, know, like, okay,
1: like, it's like, okay, Fabio. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: like, okay, why do I have the urge to go buy some shampoo all of a sudden? I don't even see <laughs> <eat it. laughs> <laughs> No doubt. No
1: doubt. Oh, cool, man. So let's, uh, let's see. Uh, just a uh, real quick plug again for the same stuff we did at the beginning of the show. But, yeah. again, folks, LLA coupon code will get you 10% off my nutrition supplements at 30% off Sincere's video. And uh, I had a friend over, a, pod, uh, a guy named Dave Gunter listens to the podcast, and he, and he bought your video, and he's loving it. So he was oh, over man. here working man. out with some guys. Yeah, he's, he's a big fan of the show. He's, he's a FedEx driver, so he's always driving around and just maximizing his time, listening to podcasts, audiobooks, things like that. So he was over here working out this past weekend, and he was talking about that. So it's, it, it's cool, man. It, it's cool to have people over to work out like what Dan John was talking about, and it's right. kind of cool when they're listeners of the show. And, and actually all the guys were listeners of the show who came over. So it was cool to get that in-person feedback.
0: Yeah, it was funny. Um, I got a post the other day from one of our listeners, um, Prince Bell, and he was just pretty much yeah, just yeah. talking about, you know, he was riding around in his car, and he said he was just cracking up, because we're talking, one minute we're talking about deadlifts, and then we're, we're talking, somehow we incorporated farting into it. And he's just like, he was just riding around, he couldn't stop cracking up, man. And, you know, I, I understand, because I get that from some podcasts that I listen to. I mean, I sit there, and I listen to somebody like Bill Maher, and I know yesterday, I was cracking up. I don't know the red light, they thought I was just a complete idiot, because I am like Busting out laughing, man, because some of the stuff is so freaking funny. And that's one—that's the beautiful thing about podcasts. Let me just sitting there, listen to the radio, and listen to the same strong 10 songs all day long bull crap. You know, right. That, right, <laughs> you right, know right, I right. can actually get some entertainment but also get educated at the same time and just really find things that are just interesting and people who are interesting. And, hey, man, I, I love it. I mean, it just kind of it brings me back. It, this brought me back home. It brought me back to what the reason why I even got into broadcasting in the first place. Right.
1: No, it's fun stuff, man, and, and Dave Dave said that when he listens to our show, he thinks – he says we have a lot of Pulp Fiction moments,
2: <laughs> and
1: I thought, that was a, I thought that was a great compliment. I, I like That's, that analogy.
0: I can, yeah, can think that.
1: Yeah, because one of the things that – I mean Pulp Fiction is by far – quentin tarantino's best movie yeah in my I, opinion and i also like reservoir dogs but i feel like after pulp fiction he kind of lost his stride he's never gotten back to that level yeah. a lot of people thought Django was great i didn't think it was all that good i, I just didn't I, think you know good. i've still yet too long it. yeah it, it's i'll wait until you've seen it and then we can talk about it on the show but it, it, it just had to, it, it just had one scene which which was a total inconsistency with the character which i just couldn't buy but anyway right. we'll, we'll save that for when if and when you ever get around to seeing it <laughs> I fly a lot, so I see a lot of movies. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, even even then, when you're on a plane, you know, when you're flying and you're on a plane, you you will watch stuff that you would never watch
0: oh, under other circumstances. I watched so Step It Up Three or whatever. That was.
1: <laughs> exactly. so on my
0: last flight to Chicago, exactly. I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching. No, you know what? We were yeah. I was on my way to Chicago. I, was like, I can't believe I'm watching this yeah but it's like your standards for entertainment
1: go down (laughs) dramatically but what's crazy is when you're watching something on a plane and you're like this sucks man and you and you stop and you switch to something else when you do that that means that whatever you were watching really Really sucks because you will be shocked what you end up watching on a plane and actually find remotely entertaining you're like oh this is not bad you know then you're like what am i thinking (laughs) <laughs> I would never watch it under like, any There's person. no way in the
0: world I would have paid to go see this movie. <laughs> right, right. And if I were at home and this movie were on, I would be flipping channels left and right right now. But here I yeah, am. Exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, but Tor- Tarantino's—he's such a good
1: scriptwriter. His conversations are hilarious, and and Pulp Fiction has so many funny conversations. Oh, the, the,
0: some there. of the best dialogue, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, so for someone to equate dialogue in that show to what we're doing, that's awesome.
0: You know, that's yeah. exactly.
1: I, I always feel that a good podcast is one where it's a good conversation. Definitely. And if you don't have someone who's going to be real and, and let it out and, and just get it, engage you with a good conversation, then it's not going to be interesting. It's going to be yeah. boring.
0: I'm so sorry, think, Mike. It's just right now I can't get the picture of, you know, you and me like, you know, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson. But I'm picturing you <laughs> when you had dreadlocks. So I'm seeing a little role reversal here. I'm picking up with Fred Locks and myself with a Jerry Curl right now. <laughs> and we're just going, and we're pretty much, our assignment is to go out and just take out all the crappiest trainers out there. <laughs>
1: well, have, we'll have to do a podcast live at some point where we put it up on YouTube. where We're both wearing those suits. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have that Pulp Fiction theme music as our theme music for that week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and we just get a guess that, you know, is pretty much trying to stick to a script and not trying to be themselves. And, they keep, and we ask them the hard questions. And they go, what? Say what again?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know, <laughs> know where. I don't know what language they speak and what. I don't know <laughs> nowhere. <what, laughs> <what. laughs> <laughs> I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pick some random little, you know, YouTube, you know, superhero that likes to sit there in flame on your YouTube page. Like, does Mike Mullen look like a bitch to you? <laughs> There's a lot
2: of
1: pulp fiction at the diner scene where uh, Samuel Jackson is talking to. Oh Kevin yeah. <laughs> and then the manager interrupts him, and he's like, "Shut up, fat man! <laughs> <You know, laughs> they got
0: nothing to do with you."
1: That that's always one of those lines that I've always wanted to use in life. And that, I mean, there was, there was a time when I was walking Grover a while back, and he was off the leash because I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of open fields behind the houses, so it's a contained environment. Yeah. So a lot of us let our dogs off the leash and. People's dogs are well-behaved out here, so it's cool. They get mm-hmm. to run around; they have a good time. So anyway, I, I was, Grover was running around having a good time, and there was some lady with a little Chihuahua, and she saw Grover running. And Grover is not an intimidating-looking dog, and he's a, right. he's a he's a happy-looking dog. So anyway, this do, this lady sees Grover running in her direction, and and she thinks a, a pit bull is coming, so she picks up her little Chihuahua and holds holds this Chihuahua up to her up to her chest, and then Grover thinks it's a toy, so he's trying to jump off and see what's <laughs> up there and so forth. And this lady just lip she's like you have no control over your dog why is your dog off the leash that's not even legal blah 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 and i was like just relax lady i was like my dog is is a friendly dog he's not going to do anything she's like don't tell me to relax blah, blah, blah. and then her husband at this point i'm putting grover on the leash and her, her husband said something stupid and, and of course he was a fat guy and i don't even remember what i said back but i usually in situations like that i just laugh because people are acting so stupid what do you do you know what i mean i'm, I'm not going to lose my temper because someone sees me losing my temper, they're going to call the police. There's, oh, there's a big guy in the neighborhood shouting at someone, shouting at a lady. You know, let's, let's get the cops out of here. But anyway, as I'm walking along, I was like, God, that would have been a perfect place to use that line. Shut up, Batman. You know, it ain't got nothing to do with you. And so I was like, God, I wish I I, wished I could have used that line at that point. In fact, in fact another time, there was, uh, in, in, in Heat, there's a scene where Al Pacino – uh, what was the line because i used oh yeah 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 he's he's it's the great asking, of course and
2: yes our, and favorite. Like, our favorite like charlene
1: jaharis and the other guy's like who he's like who what are you a fucking owl <laughs> and, uh, dale was over at my house watching the ufc what's up the whole bunch of people here like eight or nine people it, those are some of the best times you'll have get a group of friends and have them come over and watch the ufc it's a oh, blast yeah. but anyway I, I said something and dale's like who And and right on the button, I'm like, who? What are you, a fucking owl? (laughs) Everybody just started laughing because everyone knew exactly what I was talking about. It was right (laughs) out of the movie. It was like one of those perfect scenes, like right on the button. It comes right out. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, man. So yeah, that's another great quotable movie right there, Heat. And you know, you, Ken, and myself, you know, the, the great ass quote is always oh, the man. best one, man. That scene never gets old. You can watch
1: that scene on YouTube, right? Now. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, just type in Al Pacino, great ass. Scene great ass.
2: It'll
1: pop right up. And it's funny if you get if you get the Heat DVD, you can they have they have that scene in several different languages.
2: It is oh. hilarious.
1: It's dubbed in French. It's like <laughs> you know? it's in French. It's in Italian. It's hilarious to see oh. Al Pacino do those scenes in those other languages. It is too funny. I mean, I- I'm surprised no one has put those up on YouTube yet. I- I'm I'm going to have to rent out the disc and record it just to do that because it is
0: that would be hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. I would well, I would man, love
2: we to we got. It.
1: I would love your oh, yeah.
0: Kenyan say yeah. that.
2: <laughs> 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 we got to
1: we got to get a guy with a thick Indian accent doing that. So that that would be hilarious. No, uh, yeah, we have some great guests coming up, man. We have the author of Lifting
0: Depression that's going to be on the show. Yeah, I can't up. wait for that one. Yeah, man, that that's, that one's a little personal awesome. for me. So yeah, me too. That, that's um, too. I can't wait for that one, and because. I've had my bouts with it as well, so it's going yeah. to be really great to speak with her about that. And, I think yeah, a lot of
1: people have, and they just they don't really verbalize it at all. They don't they verbalize
0: say, it. They don't realize it, or they just they, they feel some type of shame because there's this, this stigma that's like, oh, well, you need, you, know, you need medication or you need to go to a mental hospital. And there's different, there are varying degrees of men- you know, depression and mental illness and things like that. And it's just like I this it's this media need to really just blow it out of proportion in order to get a story and it makes people feel ashamed and and i just really you know it drives it drives me crazy you know ironically there you know just the (laughs) the the way that you know it's so blown out of proportion and what ends up happening you know people just end up suppressing it even more and and it gets worse and then what's gonna end up happening it's gonna it's gonna have to you're gonna have to pay the piper sooner or later so it's like either address it while, you know, some, for some people it's on a lighter level, Right. address it then because eventually it's going to snowball. All you're doing is just add more to it. You're building this monster, you know, that is eventually going to really get out of control. So right. I can't, like I said, when you email me about that, man, and I, I was like, yes. I can't wait for this one. So. Yeah,
1: it's going to be another one of those kind of James Pond episodes where I think people are going to find it unexpected, but they're going to, it's going to make them think. And I, I think that's the beauty of a show like this is one week we have a guy like Dan John who pretty much everyone in the fitness community knows. And then another week we're going to have someone like James Pond. We're going to have someone like Kelly Lambert, author of Lifting Depression.
2: Right. And,
1: it, again, it, it's, it's about good conversations and, and also provoking thought, thought within yourself, thought in your life. Because I've, I've gone through several bouts of mild depression. I've, I've never had full-blown depression, but mm-hmm. if, if I'm not careful, I can fall right back into mild depression at any point. So I'm very good at going, okay, you're starting to go in that direction, so here's what you need to do to steer yeah. yourself right back. So, I mean, over the years, I've learned what works for me. And I, mm-hmm. and I, honestly, I think a lot of other people are in similar situations. or have Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely one of those
0: kids. ones that I have to walk that tightrope because, you know, I have – you know, one side of my family, you know, there are quite a few cases of mental illness, you know, and there are also those who've suffered breakdowns. And so, and, but I'm also one of those people that I don't give in to my genetics. You know, I don't just bow down to DNA. You know, it's like, I acknowledge it and I know what I have to do in order to keep it at bay. So my thing is I don't sit there and try to act like it didn't happen, but at the same time, I'm not going to let it rule my life. And, and, what I've come to find out, you know, especially when we did the interview with James, you know, I know a lot of people like we're looking for the fitness aspect. They want this podcast to be 100% about fitness and health and fitness. But guess what? All this stuff factors into health, because if your mind, if your mental capabilities are not on par, forget about the fitness aspect. You know, and, and if you're suffering from depression, trust me, you're not going to want to go to the gym. You're not you're not you're going to be too weak. It's debilitating. You know, when you have severe depression. Mild depression, you know, you might use working out as a way of coping with it, but that's right. only going to last for so long before you have to break. So all the stuff, all the things we're talking about, yes, yeah, interesting conversation, and trust me, it's not far fetched from what we, the industry that we Mike and I work in, right? Because a lot of that also plays in, in, a part in some of our clients, you know. Yeah. And you have to, as a coach, you have to say, okay, how do I work with this? Not deal with it, but how do you work with this? How do you work with a client who just had a crappy divorce, you know, and they're, now they're trying to, you know, reinvent themselves and they're trying to get their health in order, but they still haven't dealt with the divorce and all the things that led up to it. Okay, are you just going to like, well, you know what, you go and get help, and when you get your help and you're fixed, you come back to me and we can start your training program. So that's, that's not going to be ideal. So you've got to find a way, like, you know, who knows, you may be able to provide them with a form of therapy that a therapist can't do for them. Because they right. already have some pre- preconce- preconceived notion of what to bring to the table and what BS they need to tell the therapist and try to just get through it. Whereas with you, they may see you more as a friend and not a therapist. You know, unlike with the therapist, they just see them as their doctor. So you got to know how to work with these type of things, man. And don't just shut them off and, and just think it's all about learning how to deadlift and do pull-ups. Right. You know, and what you know what's a better diet for me, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So... No, it's true.
1: It's going to yes. be a great topic. And then next week we have John Spencer Ellis coming on. John Spencer on. Ellis, JSE, great guy.
0: Working with him on the um, on the Wellness Codebook. Yeah, matter of fact, so.
1: absolutely great guy. Very for those of you that are in the fitness business
0: and you want to learn
1: how to improve your business, how to maximize your time, and how to grow it. Great guy. You're going to love next week's episode. So we'll yes. we'll get into we'll definitely be talking to him about how to brand yourself better, how to maximize your time as a trainer how to build your business effectively. It's just going to be a good talk. It'll be a good discussion, no doubt about it. Yes, sir. And I think that's Let's about go, it folks. for
0: right now. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see each and every one of you next week. Big thanks to Dan, John, and, hey, man, another great week. Loving it. Loving it, man. Yeah, thank you. You have a hey, good keep one. your feedback coming, folks. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Mike Mahler or at Sincere Hogan. Hit us up on the fan page, LLA Podcast. You can find us right there on Facebook. And share with everyone, man. Keep passing – Passing the podcast around to your friends, share it in your emails, wherever. And um, yeah, like I said, keep the feedback coming. Yeah, Either please. We love honest coming. feedback. Definitely, absolutely. It does, it does and, better.
1: <laughs> and please leave a review for us on iTunes. Yes. And just uh, it doesn't have to be a five-star review. Just it could be an honest review. Just just feedback is good. Talking about the show is good. So we want to get this out there to as many people as possible. Obviously, it's good for our businesses, but. That's not the only reason why we do this. You know, we this is something we like doing and we know it helps people out there. So let's let's get this show out to
0: as many people as possible. Hey folks, you're like the highlight of our week. Putting this show together yeah, each no week doubt. is like what we look forward to, man. And no and doubt. really just bringing great content for each and every one of you. We love it. So it's not like we're just going through the motions hoping that we can just get rich off this thing like, dude, this is like, hey man, you know, who can we talk to that you know, we think folks would be interested in hearing it and we just want to give you guys the best. So absolutely cool all right man so have a great week and cool. uh talk to you next week brother that's good buddy you have a good one all right, take care folks